Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Teen, good to have you back. Mr. Cowley, welcome back to the show. Oh, Mr. Cowley loves his spaced out radio. Good to have you back, man. All right, uh, lurks a lot. How are you? We're waiting for Bill WD forty to enter the chat room. There he is, lubing us on up in the Spreaker chat because we want to go in smooth to this show. Lisa C, friend of Squirrel, good to have you both here. Digger Dog, thanks for joining us. And who else do we have here? Bob Davis, thanks for coming on in. And who else? United We Stand, thank you for joining us. We are running out of time. Alien Critter, Gizmo, good to have you both here. Maggie M10, thanks for joining us. And uh, let's see here. Got you all, got you all, got you all. Paradox Fossils, thank you for coming on in. And mm, Penman, that's all you need to say. Penman, we got 20 seconds. Can we do this? Can we finish up? Dr. Steers, how you doing? Could you give me an email? Send me an email, Dave at spacedoutradio.com. I want to get you on the show. And uh, Susan Go, good to have you back. We're done. We're done. That's it. Do me a favor. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the news wire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of awesomeness tonight. 
Dr. Bob McGuire, Dr. Sibian Hine here for Science Bob and Friends. We're going to get into everything from remote viewing to UFOs. Then in hour number three, we are going to go to the swamp. Then little Timmy Senor is going to be around to take us on the UFO reports. Dr. Bob McGuire comes in near the middle of each month for a little ditty we call around here, a little hootenanny, to use one of his southern words, called Science Bob and Friends. Yeah, this is a show where we skip the woo, but we get into the who, what, where, when, why, and how all this strange phenomena seems to work. Dr. McGuire is a former government agent. He is also formerly of Virginia Tech University, and he brings in a very, very special guest tonight, a good friend of this show, always packing a very strong mustache. Dr. Simeon Hine is with us. This man, when it comes to knowledge of the strange and unknown, he is near the top of the board in trying to understand what is going on. Let's bring them all in here. Science Bob, it's good to have you back, my friend. How are you? I'm doing super duper, Dave, and it's good to see you and Simeon. Simeon's joining us from on the road or about to be on the road, so I'm very happy he could be here. Now, before we bring Simeon in, I do have to say happy birthday to you, Science Bob. Happy birthday to you, Science Bob. Happy birthday, dear Science Bob. Happy birthday. To you. There Thank we, you, Dave. There we go. It was your birthday yesterday, and I'm not. I, I was. I called you and saying, but I had to do it on the air tonight. Just had to do it. Well, thank you, Dave. Now, our good friend, Doctor Sibiad Hine. How you been doing, my friend? Hey guys, thanks for having me here tonight. Doing great. Bob, why was it important to bring Simeon back? Well, so uh, let me remind people that uh, Simeon is the director of the Institute for Residence in Boulder, Colorado. He has a a, a terminal degree in um, uh, sociology. He's done all sorts of experimental design work and is well known in remote viewing and several other communities. He's a member of URBA and uh, some of you know uh, but let me make it official. Simeon has been teaching Lala Bride and I remote viewing for a year and a half. And that instruction continues. And Simeon's been doing other interesting things, which uh, I'm beginning to get involved with. And uh, so it's uh, what we want to talk to him about all those things and more. I want to remind people that Simeon, has been in remote viewing since the end of the Stargate program. He was trained by Stargate superstars right after the CIA declassified Stargate. He knew knows he, he knew Ingo Swan. He knew all the major players. Put off Tar, Ed May, Joe McMonagall. He knows them all. So Simeon, if you want anybody that wants to know about remote viewing, ask Simeon Heim. He is a fantastic teacher. His courses are easily affordable by anyone who has the time and the resources to get involved and learn it. And uh, he does coordinate remote viewing for those of you who care and go through a kind of standard training package. It has an algorithm that he goes through to teach you how to 
stop listening to the wrong part of your brain and listen to the right part of your brain for their weak signals and remote viewing. And it is a great, great pleasure to have my friend and teacher, Simeon Hine, back with us. Simeon, tell us where you are, and aren't you off on the road to give some talk? Hey, thank, thanks. Thanks for the introduction, Bob. I really enjoyed having you and Layla in the RV class. You have to admit it's always an adventure. It's a lot of fun, and you never know what's going to happen every session, which, for, you know, it just you never get tired of doing it and being involved with it. I'm actually visiting mom in New York, you know. My mom is in her 90s. She needs, you know, visitation every other couple times a year at least. So that's what I'm doing. Yep. Yes, I uh, I can understand that. My mom passed away last year, which is how Lala and I met. Because she gave, she offered to give me a reading at my mother's passing. Uh, that, that reading was mind-blowing and uh, thought process changing and uh, upended my life in many ways in the sense that I suddenly knew all these things that I thought might be true were true. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, my, I had had um, UFO experiences with Chris Bledsoe, but as my consciousness suddenly expanded and I looked over the universe and saw that it was much bigger and much more di- much different than I ever thought it was. I began having experiences all the time, and now Lala and I live together, and uh, we see stuff every single day. It's just, uh, and we're not afraid. I'm just telling you, we see stuff all the time. But anyway, so Simeon, uh, what are what are you? What would you say you are working on right now? Tell us tell us about what's going on in Simeon's. Uh, consciousness life. Well, you know, Bob, as you mentioned, I've been involved with a lot of these topics ever since I got involved with remote viewing in 96. It just seems like one topic leads to the next. There's like what some people call overlapping phenomenology. You can't contain these topics into neat little boxes, as both of you know, and our audience knows. It's just sort of you get the orbs around RV sessions sometimes. And then sometimes you want to go visit your target sites to see if to verify what you were getting, which is what happened to me, why I started going over to visit the crop circles in the UK. Then I started seeing not only meeting orb witnesses, UFO witnesses, uh, you start seeing this strange sort of battery and camera failure and other sort of time slips around crop circles, which, you know, you're a scientist, you wouldn't think something that's inert as wheat would start shorting out your cameras and batteries and causing space-time anomalies, but that's exactly what I saw happening around the crop circles. Uh, You meet more and more UFO witnesses, and eventually the people who've been taking your RV classes, like you've been taking some of mine, thank you very much, start telling you about their Bigfoot encrypted encounters. And sometimes 20 years after you got to know them, know them, they start telling you about their Bigfoot encounters. And when you start investigating that subject, you see the same camera and battery failure that you saw around crop circles that people have been experiencing around UFOs and haunted sites uh, for decades. So you start 
seeing there's a lot of patterns here. What I've been doing is just doing a ton of research into Bigfoot encounters, cryptid encounters, to see if I can find some commonalities here with other related phenomena. And there's really some definitive patterns here, which I think is really proof that we live in a multiverse, that parallel realities are actually physically there next to us all the time. And sometimes they pop through. They show up where you are, like it or not, here they come. And that's what I've been uh, been looking at over the past couple of months is really sort of what ties it together. Also, obviously, the connections to what's called condensed matter physics, low energy nuclear reaction, fractal toroidal systems. I actually, just before I stop saying what I'm doing here, I started in fractal geometry. That's what my dissertation was about in sociology. How could you use fractals to measure information density? And I realized that it was being used in satellites for JPEG compression and that all the people involved in fractals had actually gone into some very practical applications within technology. Fractals are used, you know, so much of what we information flows are compressed in some way to save data. Well, the biggest shock to me was to find out that these fractal patterns are the basis of various types of electromagnetic systems, closed uh, electromagnetic systems that seem to be the basis of ball lightning orbs and so forth. And this is why we see them pop up around remote viewing sessions, crop circles, UFOs, cryptids. There's there's definitely an underlying fractal pattern to nature. And it's just gratifying that that goes all the way back to 30 years ago when I was just writing a dissertation about fractals. Oh, that's really neat. So um, yeah. as, as you know, um, uh, uh, Simeon and Dave both know, and the audience will not tell them, is that Lon and I are experiencing orbs uh, seven days a week. Uh, and uh, Dave uh, uh, interviewed... Lala and I, and then later on recently, Grant Cameron interviewed Lala and me. Uh, so um, the, the, in both of these interviews, an orb appeared and went in front of Lala's face and moved around and did this thing and then left, left the image. And in both the SOR interview with Lala and me, and the Grant Cameron interview with Lala and me, an orb moves around her. So anyone can go and look at these things, and I can point time hacks out to those that are really interested. So orbs are everywhere, and I had Deb Shakti do a regression, and she basically told us what, uh, how we use orbs and other consciousness use orbs to contain contain their consciousness and travel. So, or, and, and uh, I went uh, to see uh, Chris Bledsoe in 2019, and we, we broke out as doing things together in 2020, and I processed a thousand pictures for Chris, selecting some to help him build a talk for UFOCon 2020, and these orbs were full of entities uh, that you can see in the photographs. Everything from pets, to aliens, to humans, to it was, it was, it's pretty amazing. So it's pretty clear that the orbs and consciousness are like this. And so like you, I'm very curious about the relationship between consciousness and physics. And I think the 
energy relationships are where the the connection will be, where you measure uh, the rate of transfer of information as uh, it, it from the Shannon perspective uh, and how, how well you do in uh, uh, energy uh, per unit noise uh, per, per bit, whereas information is in bits. And we have these states and quantum mechanics where they are digital. And so they're, they're discrete and digital. So I think there's going to be this energy relationship between consciousness and physics that somebody's going to work out. And I've been looking at it since. So uh, one of the things that's really interested in me is that Lala and I recently took, took pictures out in a field and we got these cryptids that were flying through the air. And these pictures are available on both of our Facebook sites and an album that is public. So you can see a picture of these cryptids. Uh, and you've been recently looking with us attending meetings uh, into uh, Bigfoot. So tell us about your burgeoning interest, recent interest in Bigfoot. So uh, what's really surprising to me was how many encounters are actually out there. We don't hear about them. I, and I'm speaking as a sociologist here. This, these are hidden events. This is what we call hidden events. These are things that people are experiencing that they're not talking about for a variety of reasons. They may even forget about their experiences with cryptids because it's just so far out of the realm of what your conscious mind has been told is real that you may just experience a type of time slip or missing time. You won't remember the experience. I've spoken to a number of people that have had that happen where they just were taking a walk uh, in the woods and all of a sudden they're back at the parking lot or they're back in their vehicle and they don't know how they got there. So this is the type of thing that's happening to people. And it, it, it may be happening in terms of extraterrestrials, too. I mean, we have to admit it. We like to blame the government for a type of UFO cover up, you know, truth embargo, whatever you want to call it. But that's not what's that's not the only thing that's going on. There are self-defense mechanisms within our conscious mind. And as a remote viewer, you, you're familiar with these. A tendency to want to force everything into a familiar box that it fits in. And these cryptid and other life form type interactions like you're describing, these are so out of the ordinary that just like in an RV session, you're struggling to find the words to describe that particular impression or feeling, write it down before you forget it. Well, this could happen on a macro scale with a cryptid or other type of life form encounter so that not only do you not understand what's happening to you, you're, you're just going to forget about it pretty quickly. You're going to have a type of amnesia. So, uh, the reason we have this Bigfoot Cryptid Zoom group is an attempt for people to remember their experiences and for all of us to find a common language to talk about this so that we can move forward in our understanding of what we're dealing with rather than just continue with this type of denial that we've had. Because, uh, Bob, I mean, honestly, some of these people who've had these encounters, if they remember it, they're pretty traumatized. And, you know, I just did an interview with uh, Gary Anderson of Night Dreams Talk Radio, who's been in radio, as he told me, for 49 years, friend of Art Bell and John Lear. 
And he finally, you know, I asked him because he had told me about this encounter off the air. I said, Gary, we have to get this down. This is too important. And this was not, there were no orbs in this encounter. There was nothing really uh, friendly about this encounter. But it was an encounter nonetheless. It's part of our data set. It was a hostile encounter in B.C. Uh, nonetheless, Gary said, okay, I will, we will do it. And we, we recorded it last week. And he said that, I mean, he sold the RV. He hasn't gone camping since. He doesn't walk in the woods. And he's someone that was brought up by his dad to go out every weekend into the woods, take a walk. And I know other people like this who are just returning to take walks by themselves in, in you know, in a nature type scenario. They're that traumatized. So this is a very serious situation in my view. People are being, you know, they're having encounters and, and, and we can't necessarily say that these cryptids are always intentionally hostile. We don't really know what their motivations are. But certainly the people perceive it that way. And I think we can say some of them do fall into the hostile realm. I mean, once they're throwing things at your car and, and doing thousands of dollars of damage, I could say we'd all agree that's in the hostile area of interaction. So these are quite complex interactions. And I'm just surprised that how little we're talking about this as a society. I think all this discussion we're having, even at the government level, it's starting to happen, even if it's in classified hearings about UFOs, it eventually has to turn into a conversation about what other types of life forms are we encountering that, to me, and I'm happy to be wrong, seem to be interdimensional, seem to be able to just pop out of nowhere and go back behind a tree and disappear. Is it, you know, what's the mechanism? We need to continue the conversation. It, this is just the beginning, in my view, of a really big conversation that we need to have. You bring up yeah, a very so, uh, good point. Let me let me just hop in here, Bob, for okay. a second. Simeon, you bring in a very good point. You know, you know these creatures pop out from or pop behind a tree, and all of a sudden they're gone. We see that with people as well happening in major cities. Where you know, I always like to use the example of a bunch of drunk uh, guys walking down the sidewalk, and one buddy says, "Hey, hold on, I gotta go behind this dumpster and and relieve myself." And he's never seen again. You know, it really makes me wonder about these alternate dimensions or portals or or something that goes along with that. And it only seems to be us in the in the woo crowd that is actually talking about this possibility. Yet it seems so real that these creatures can vanish in and come back out at any time they please, or these people who go missing are vanished and never seen again. And sometimes, you know, as we know, they show up again and it's very hard to explain how they got 10 miles away, especially if they're little kids, you know. Uh. Ashley is bringing you their biggest event of the year, March 10th through 12th. For three days only, shop Hot Crate Deals, the biggest deals of the year on trending furniture styles, decor, and more throughout the store and online. Plus, get no interest for 60 months with no minimum purchase and no down payment. The Orange Event is happening for three days only. Hurry into your local Ashley store or tap the banner to shop and save today. Ashley. See store ashley.com for details. 
Don't let life pass you by. It's time to go big at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, MGCCC can help get you there with a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11. So what are you waiting for? Visit mgccc.edu to register for spring classes today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College how they were able to go that far away. It's like something's transporting them. Do you have something to say about that, Bob? <laughs> no, no, I was waving at Pascal, who says Dave and I look serious, so we need to give Pascal a smile so he knows we're happy. Yeah, we. so we need to lighten up about this, and I don't want to scare people, but this is totally real and exactly what Dave said. I mean, it can happen, and I, I don't think anyone who's you know an authority figure in our society is going to want to admit that they can't prevent this from happening to you. I mean, I've been told this happens to people in within the government, Department of Homeland Security, people have woken up on their lawns outside of their house with the door locked and they don't know how they got there. I mean, I know a couple actual cases where the person told me who it was happening to, and it's pretty high up in those agencies. Well, and, and, and we all know uh, uh, that the uh, National Forest Service and the, the, the Park Service, et cetera, is covering up thousands of people who've gone missing in parks. All you got to do is go look at David Pilatus missing 411, and you realize there's a bunch of strange stuff that goes on when you go out alone in the woods. And so uh, there's, and uh, I personally had missing time when I was 18 years old, missed an hour and a half. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was with me, and she remembers missing the hour and a half. We don't have a clue where we are. We wound up on the road in the middle of nowhere and uh, made our way home an hour and a half late. So it's just these things happen. I didn't feel afraid at the time. I just was befuddled as to how in the world I had managed to drive for an hour and a half on a dark road and not know how I got there. And I almost immediately forgot it. Uh, it took uh, took years later, and Grant Cameron was given an, was doing an interview, and I was listening, and he began talking about the scenario, and suddenly this overwhelming memory slapped me in the face uh, that had been recovered from the dregs of memory about this missing time event when I was young. So this strange stuff is happening in all sorts of scenarios. Some of it's friendly looking, some of it's not so friendly like the people that go missing in the national parks and are never heard from again. So, uh, and uh, Lala and others who are, who've done kind of remote viewing have looked at missing persons. And that can't always be pleasant, especially if it's children involved, because almost always those those things are the way they are. Dave? Gentlemen, I'm going to get you to hold on right there, because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour, a very fast first half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight of Science Bob and Friends with Dr. Bob McGuire and our special guest tonight, Dr. Simeon Hine. We will be back with more consciousness, remote viewing, orbs, whatever else we can fit in, dimensions, portals, time travel, and Science Bob's freshly shaved scalp. We'll be right back right after this on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we are clear. All right, I'll be right back. No problem. 
No problem. Thank you, Deb, for that awesome super chat. And Jan, or pardon me, Jan, how are you? I know you we'll like a soft J. See you in one sec, guys. Yeah, no problem. La la, thank you. La 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 la. La 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 la. For that awesome super chat, thank you. I'll put it up in a second. Richard Elmore, how are you, man? Sparkles on Facebook. How are you? All right. Hi, Filth. Hi, Monica. Hi, my brother Hi, Eugene. All right. There's little Debbie from SAC with her super chat. Thank you. And who else do we have here? La la bright. La 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 la. La 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 la. Bright. With that awesome super chat. And. Hi, Blue Cruise. And. What else do we have here? I'm catching up in the chat room right now. You guys are chatting up a storm in there. Oob to Joe's Bane. You've got flat hair. Pay Parker, how are you? Uh, if anybody wants to know why I'm so weird, and you're in our YouTube chat, blame Pascal. Blame Pascal in the chat room. He's the reason. He's the reason. Zig Ziglar, how are you? Chairman Meow. Nice to have you back. Yeah, all my weirdo experiences are because of Pascal. And then he puts up crickets like he's not saying a thing. I love you, buddy. I love you so much. Dirty, what would your art look like if you were left-handed? Just be mirrored, I guess. I can write with my left hand, but I can't draw very well with it. Mm. Thank you, Luscious Jewels. Uh, Wes, yes, I have heard Simeon on guitar. He's amazing. No, no, Evan Walters, uh, that that is truth. I'm not blaming Pascal. Yes, I am blaming Pascal. But uh, Pascal is my guru, my mentor, and everything in this field. I would not have without him, and I love him dearly. He's amazing. All right, uh, let's see here. Hi, Stephanie Catherine Morell, listening in on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, reminder to everybody who is planning on coming to Las Vegas for our second annual fan party where you can hang out with the likes of Dirty Filth and Science Bob and Lala Bright and 
and myself and Jim Goodall, Michael Schratt, Melinda Leslie, Geraldine Orozco, Carter Bouchard, Merle, and many others. We need you to get your uh, VIP ticket passes in by April 1st. Make sure you email in at info at spacedoutradio.com, info at spacedoutradio.com. Cat uh, has, uh, I believe, recently uh, sent out an email. We need you to respond because we really need to know how many of all of you are coming. I mean, we've got about 90 people who say they're coming. We've got like 10 confirmed. That's not a good average. So we need you to help us out. Email in at info at spacedoutradio.com. Big thank you to all our super chatters tonight. Nero, Bob, Pam H, Linda, Jeff, Pascal Times 2, Deb, la, 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 and Jules. Thank you so much for the love. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And, of course, you can go get your Spaced Out Radio swag. Head on over to our website, spacedoutradio.com. we got great T-shirts there. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. So check it on out, and we will have it all right there for you. Wow, I send a lot. I send a lot. Yeah, Science Bob and I get to hang out. In just a few short days in San Francisco for UFOCon 2023, head to their website. Here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America. And if you have missed all of our archives or free, join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Dr. Bob McGuire, Science Bob and Friends, happens at the middle of each month here, where Dr. Bob McGuire brings us some great facts about what is going on with strange phenomena around the world. Tonight we are being joined by... Our good friend, Dr. Simeon Hine, our special guest. And gentlemen, welcome back. We're going to start off with, I normally don't take questions until hour number two, but I like this one. I do. And it's from Red Panda Koala. Predictions for the rest of 2023. He's probably meaning in the UFO world or the strange world. Uh, Science Bob, let's start with you. Your microphone's on mute, Bob. My bad. There you go. Uh, I think people think people. Ashley is bringing you their biggest event of the year, March 10th through 12th. For three days only, shop Hot Crate Deals, the biggest deals of the year on trending furniture styles, decor, and more throughout the store and online. Plus, get no interest for 60 months with no minimum purchase and no down payment. The Orange event is happening for three days only. Hurry into your local Ashley store or tap the banner to shop and save today. Ashley. See store ashley.com for details. 
Don't let life pass you by. It's time to go big at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, MGCCC can help get you there with a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11. So what are you waiting for? Visit mgccc.edu to register for spring classes today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. I'm going to be very, very disappointed in what comes out of Arrow in 2023. So um, a scientist who wants to do independent research does not write a paper with the leader of an organization from which the funding is most likely to be derived. This is really weird. So Avi Loeb has written this paper with Sean Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick's the head of Arrow, and Avi Loeb is the head of Galileo. And to me, it just doesn't make me feel good about Galileo. It just doesn't. Uh, Avi Loeb wants his meteor uh, asteroid project funded, and uh, if that's going to have be be alien technology flying in from outside the solar system, then that's going to have to be funded by the government to 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 do a hundred million dollar uh, project. And uh, just I just so I continue to say that if we in ufology and cryptids, et cetera, want new information to cascade toward us, citizen science is going to have to be the leader in all of this for the time being. Uh, Simeon, what do you think? Yeah, I would, uh, I, I agree with the feeling of what you're saying because it just feels like it's really slowed to a glacial pace of releasing information. I mean, we had a good start in 2017. Maybe that New York Times article wasn't 100% accurate. You know, what was the relationship, OSEP and ATIP and so forth. But it just feels like I, I don't think the government is capable of really showing us what's been going on because there's just too many bureaucratic jobs at stake to really shake up the whole thing. I, I just don't think those people are capable of doing it because they, they want it to be very even. They want it just like you're talking about the funding predictable. The, uh, they want the outcomes to be predictable. Look, you and I have talked about the Goering, uh, girdle turing incompleteness theorem. Absolutely. There's a lot of incompleteness here. Okay. And what we're going to find out is going to be a whopper of a shock. When this truth comes out, make no mistake I, about it. I think it. it's going to be. I think it's going to be major upheaval. I major upheaval. I believe we're going to see when it finally comes out, and I don't think it'll be twenty twenty three. We're going to see that, in fact, uh, free energy has been covered up. And guess what? Recently, an experiment was done in a laboratory where the Casimir effect was used to do work. Not some virtual thing that just happens. So they used mm -hmm. it to do work. So right. the, there's a zero point energy was used to do work for the first time ever in the lab. I think that ought to win a Nobel Prize. Right. So uh, yes. th this could be found. And you realize 
the long-term implications are, oops, wait a minute, every energy company in the world just lost its business. And then you go further. Uh, well, I now know that quantum teleportation, so long as I transport a secret crypto variable through space-time at the speed of light from one point to the other, and it contain entangled particles at both ends, I can then have a faster-than-light quantum network. And pretty soon you're going to see zero energy, zero cost to doing faster-than-light telecommunications using the modern understandings. This is the this is the uh, uh, Juan Maldacena, uh, 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 Stanford folks, uh, Leonard Susskind, understanding that Einstein Rosen and Einstein Podolsky Rosen, which is the wormhole and entanglement, they're literally the connection between quantum mechanics and gravitation because entanglement changes particles instantaneously, even though they're across the universe. And the mechanism that binds those two particles together in entanglement is a wormhole. So that means there you're looking at the marriage between gravitation, space-time, and quantum mechanics. We don't understand all of it, but that's enough uh, to say that a marriage is possible. And then you see that uh, faster-than-light communications is possible so long as the secret that uh, allows you to decode it is transported through space-time then FTL is free forever. So we could send a spacecraft to Mars and then control a robotic in real time. We can send a spacecraft to Europa and control it in real time, not 20-minute round-trip light delay. I mean, this stuff is coming. It's going to change everything. And I just believe that people are going to be, people are worried about the upset to the economy uh, of all of this. Yeah, Bob, I think there's another there is another historical path to get to what you're talking about. And that is from Nikola Tesla around that time period up to the present. And we know that there is a lot of interest within the Department of Energy and other government agencies in what we call cold fusion, low energy nuclear reaction. And that is a type of quantum coherency where well, you're able and we, and we have we have red panda koala who just gave us a little uh, super sticker. Oh, yeah, there it is. And Red Panda Kuala just gave us this thing, and he wrote, he put together a specially interesting video in after 2016. And this especially interesting video was Donald Trump's favorite uncle, John Trump, worked for Vannevar Bush at MIT, and we all know who Vannevar Bush is. And guess what John Trump's job was? to go and grab all of Nick right. Tesla's papers at his death and study them. And oops, it's a nothing burger. Nobody found anything. It's useless. And so, I mean, this stuff is, well, just too, you, you can't make, you can't make uh, tr uh, truth. You can't make fiction stranger than truth. Right. If you look at some of the activity within defense contractors, Lockheed Martin and others, they're still pursuing this line of research that Tesla was pursuing. And they call it quant, uh, coherent matter wave beams and things like that. And, and their point is you can actually control a system by subtracting energy from it 
if you're creating quantum coherency like the Bose-Einstein condensate, but at room temperature. For everyone knows the Bose-Einstein condensate was low temperature and all the particles become the wave functions overlap. They become one big wave. And NIST found you could do that at near absolute zero. But what Lockheed Martin and others have found is that you can recreate that same effect at room temperature, which oh, creates okay. communication and other quant- these macroscopic quantum effects at room temperature. Uh, just nature actually wants to work that way. In other words, you don't have to necessarily create the, ent- the entanglement will emerge from the coherency and this is what Tesla was talking about, resonance. Uh, and this is really, since Koala wanted to know about predictions, we may not get super revelations in the UFO world. I predict we're going to find it in some of these other technologies which have been below the surface because they've been classified. And, Bob, you would know more about, about that than me. But the more I read into this area, it's absolutely fascinating how much has been bought up by various government agencies, and then basically taken away from the internet, just kind of gone into the black world around quantum coherent matter wave people. Well, one, 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 area that, one area that they've not been able to contain, and that is the implications and the outcome of Richard Feynman's greatest discovery ever, which was not understood well until after he was dead. And that is he went to Los Alamos and other places and proposed we use quantum particles to do computing. And he wrote down the, the quantum gates and this other stuff. And now we have laboratories that are simulating black holes and wormholes and other things inside the, the noisy quantum computers that are in the people's laboratories. And we're, the, the Australians and others in Europe are really doing great work on finding uh, much better materials to do the quantum the quantum bits from, so that we're getting we're we're going to get a really stable quantum bit that occurs at pretty high temperatures. And I have other other uh, news is you know Penrose and Hameroff proposed that microtubules were the quantum system uh, uh, effects effector in the brain to talk to whatever consciousness is. And uh, and everybody jumped up and down and tore Penrose and Hammer off a new one proclaiming this was the brain. It's at 96, 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. You're nuts. Quantum systems can't work that way. Until an experiment was done in a lab which showed that things around these areas in the brain that were in question were found to be entangled with something else outside the brain, and stably so, even though they're 98.6. So I just think lots of these kinds of things, due to the existence and the the enhancement and the growth of quantum computing and quantum information, a lot of the stuff is going to fall out in laboratories. We're talking about simulating wormholes, simulating... Ashley is bringing you their biggest event of the year, March 10th through 12th. For three days only, shop Hot Crate Deals, the biggest deals of the year on trending furniture styles, decor, and more throughout the store and online. Plus, get no interest for 60 months with no minimum purchase and no down payment. The Orange Event is happening for three days only. Hurry into your local Ashley store or tap the banner to shop and save today. Ashley. See store ashley.com for details. 
Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, we can help get you there. We have a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. Visit mgccc.edu to register today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Getting black holes, simulating all sorts of doing quantum teleportation. Quantum computing can't work without quantum teleportation. And as I just got through saying, the entanglement involved in teleportation is the same as gravitational wormholes. So I just think Feynman is going to wind up having changed all of history with his proposal to do quantum computing. It's just this stuff is really about to pop. So a lot of that stuff will come up in 2023. People want UFO revelations. It's the rest of the stuff underneath and around all the stuff that's gone on for over 100 years. It's just going to blow up when all of the implications become clear. Right. And uh, I always believe that there's another side to the story that you don't anticipate. And I, I guess what we sociologists call it unintended consequences. And I think the unintended consequence of the development of that type of quantum computing, when it actually happens, I've spoken to people involved in this who are actually physicists working in this day to day. And they, they tell me it's a little farther away than we think because of the issue of noise and decoherence and so forth like you're aware of. But the other side of this, Bob, is the astounding revelations into dark matter. There was just an article today from researchers Fries and Winkler at the U, uh, UT Austin that they think the reason we haven't been able to find what dark matter is apart from maybe a tiny percent being the relic neutrinos from the cosmic background radiation is because dark matter could be a parallel reality from the big bang. It could have arisen at the same time. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole parallel reality to the reality we see, which is why it goes right through us. We can't see it. We can't measure it directly because it's literally a parallel reality. I mean, this is out of researchers again from major universities. So and the there's a lot of possible developments here that are going to take us, you know, I mean, it, these are going to be parallel paths along the development of quantum computing, like you're mentioning. But also, what is this background energy that people have always called the ether, right? right. That we're starting to see, is it this sort of dark matter? Bob, Bob there have been a ton of articles about black holes recently, about black holes being related to dark matter. So we're yeah. really... we're. Yes. It's going in that direction of Richard Fine, but also John Wheeler, who is fascinated by this theory of quantum gravity. And quantum, and gravity. And, and quantum, and quantum foam. Yeah, so yeah. My, my story is, I've told it too many times, but I'll just give it quickly. Uh, my ex-wife was John Wheeler's nurse at his retirement home, and he right. walked by my daughter's soccer field every day, and I would walk to downtown Heightstown with him and hang out with him and talk to him. So anyway, I heard a lot of stuff. Anyway, so you heard a lot of stuff, yeah. I heard a lot, the James Webb Telescope is finding that all the way back to a couple of three hundred million years after the Big Bang, there are massive galaxies that are much too big given the current thinking. So right. this means right. these supermassive black holes survived the Big Bang or something like it. So they may be the connection. The multiple universes be connected to the weirdness of these supermassive black holes. Who knows? Where I think the James Webb Space Telescope's 
quantum computing, uh, uh, understandings of consciousness. And we've known since quantum mechanics came around that consciousness impacts quantum mechanics in the observation process because it collapses the wave function. So uh, it, there, there are relations between consciousness and quantum mechanics. And I think major strides could happen in 2023. Right. And I mean, going back to, was it Red Panda's question about what's going to happen this year? Bob, there's another possibility is all of these phenomena that we're talking about happening way out there in the cosmos are actually using a fractal model happening right here on Earth at a smaller scale. You know the cold fusion researchers, Leonard, Takiyaki Matsumoto, Ken Shoulders, who was a colleague of Hal Putoff's. Yeah. And who and Richard Feynman uh, wrote a letter apologizing to Ken Shoulders. He initially did not believe that you could get charged clusters and so forth. It, it violated some of the basic ideas, you know, the Coulomb repulsion principle. But yeah. there's a letter in the archives from Feynman to Shoulders admitting he was wrong and that clusters of particles can actually exist in a very compressed state. Well, if you keep compressing them, you end up with what cold fusion researchers, in, including... Martin Fleischman believed was happening. You were creating microscopic black holes. And if you're creating microscopic black holes, you're also creating dark matter right out of the process, which happens to be my idea of what could be going on with some of these creatures that seem to come out of nowhere. Because there's one thing I have to point out. We were talking about orbs at the beginning of the conversation here. But you're aware that a lot of these orbs are what John Ramirez called in stealth mode. He called them yeah. stealth plasma yeah. based on yeah. the keyhole satellites. Yeah. He said yeah. they were dark. And this is what cold fusion researchers have found. These orbs, we see them as visible light. They're ionizing the air around them. But a lot of them are in dark mode. You'll feel the effects of them, Bob, but you can't see them. They're literally invisible. They're like little miniature black holes roving around. And perhaps when people encounter some of these space-time distortions, I know some of the Russian researchers felt this was true, formerly Soviet researchers. They were literally encountering miniature black holes that were sort of self-contained. It's not like they swallow everything up, but they distort space-time so much. I mean, I think John Wheeler would have agreed with this that as they move through your house or whatever area, they're causing these distortions, which I think your mind would probably experience as a time slip. Yeah, yeah yes, especially if it uh, dilated time in a big right. way. Yeah, Permittivity, yeah, exactly. dilation, time, day. there you go, Lorentz factors and all exactly. that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I just want to remind people that Dave and Lala and John Ramirez and I all will be at UFOCon 2023 okay. uh, two weekends from now. So oh, wow. uh, there'll be some fun had if you come to UFOCon 2023. Great, thanks. Uh, Dave? Hi, Bob. Ask Simeon a question. Okay. We got about three and a half minutes before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Science Bob and Friends is here with Dr. Simeon Hine. You know, I'm not a big fractal guy. don't really understand it. So like the last few minutes, that is so not Dave. But I'm going to just reverse this a minute because I like portals. I like the way where that is going. And do you think there's going to come a time where these portals, we have the ability to insert ourselves into them? 
And I just not, want to point out that Dave, that, that, that Dave is calling portals, but he doesn't understand. We've just been talking about them. I have no idea. Holes. I have no but idea. We've been talking about them with these wormholes and tunneling. Keep going. Yeah, Keep it's going. Way, that stuff's way over my head. I'm not afraid to admit that. Okay, but with these portals, are we going to be able to insert ourselves in there a more than just a consciousness level? Well, Dave, Dave, your hair is fractal because it's things that are wavy and self-similar. So you are a fractal. You're a perfect example of a fractal. In fact, everyone here is a perfect example of a self-similar fractal. You still got the phi ratio proportions, Bob, in your throughout your body, as Da Vinci pointed out. We're all based on this fractal shape of self-similarity. But yeah, I just want to say one thing before I answer your question. Just as a synchronicity, and Jules was there, I was doing another interview an hour ago, California Haunts Radio with Charlotte. She told me about a time slip. Driving with a friend, all of a sudden they're two hours out of town, just like that. That's a portal effect in my view. It's really happening. Bob, you just mentioned one, and someone just told me about another one that happened to them. And, of course, we know other people this has happened to. It's been in our Bigfoot Zoom group. So, Dave, I think there's no way this can develop other than to have this turn into a technology. I'm not saying tomorrow, but this would be a technology where with the aid of Bob's quantum computers, maybe somewhat akin to a Star Trek teleporter, you will know where you will end up and it'll be more than just your consciousness. You literally transport because I think it's happening to some of these people that we're calling missing people. I don't think all of that is Sasquatch taking them away or, alien abductions you know the terry lovelies they're walking through portals and they're going through portals and some of them have said they ended up like in the other part of the country uh they don't know how they got there i mean really far away that that seems to me like what you're talking about dave and maybe we can get it under control maybe we can get it i want to point out one one hard fact juan maldacena at the institute for advanced studies has shown that stable traversable wormholes are maintained by having tangled particles at both ends. They're stable and traversable if they have entangled particles at both ends. So that's a big deal. Now, that doesn't mean we know how to engineer it, but we understand the physics. Right, and and at a, again, at a micro scale, in these cold fusion lunar experiments, you can see examples where some of the elements in one part of the experiment ended up at the other side of the containment vessel uh, just as if they were transported over there without going through the intervening space. It's it's literally like they were transmuted from... Yeah, this is the quantum teleport. A lot of people don't understand that without quantum teleportation, there would be no stars, none. The electromagnetic repulsion between the parts of a nucleus are so high that the only way you could ever get two protons and a hydrogen to be close enough together to become a helium is the one in 10 to the 28 probability of quantum teleportation of them getting together. Yeah, and on that note, our number to one of Science Bob and Friends is now complete. We'll wait for Science Bob and Dr. Simeon Hyde to join us in hour number two, and I'll learn what a damn portal is. Space Out Radio continues right after this. You talk too much science, man. Way too much <laughs> science. 
way over my head. It is science, Bob. It is science, Bob. Well, I realized that, but I wasn't prepared for such science tonight. I don't know. Well, you got you got two eggheads. Yeah, and one the big donut here. But uh, that's okay. You guys shout well, out right you back. Play, you play guitar. You know what frequency is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah. yeah. People don't understand that uh, frequency equals the change in frequency is the change in energy, energy levels. That's the basis of quantum mechanics. Right. Know? Is it and you change you 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 absorb or emit a photon depending on whether you're going up in energy and frequency or down in energy and frequency. And E equals H nu is just the bedrock of all of that. What is it? Frequency is energy divided by Planck's constant. Yes, it's energy equals the, the Planck's constant times the frequency. Times the frequency. Same thing. Yeah. Right. No, so this is the thing, uh, Bob, is you've done RV now. So do because there was a time when Russell Tarr got up at one of the Irver meetings. He said, I want everyone to stop for a second. Remote viewing has nothing to do with quantum mechanics. Do you think it's actually a type of manifestation of quantum entanglement like we've been talking, or do you think it's, it, it emerges just from the whole system, from the whole Hamiltonian? So there's some shared information between the two ends of the pipe that's carrying the information. And you can get quantum teleportation of the information that you decode with the shared information at both ends. This is what I was talking about with the quantum networking earlier, because we already know this remote viewing is happening at faster than the speed of light because it's instantaneous. This is a, a, I am convinced the entanglement is involved because the information that's coming from over there to you is quantum teleportation. And that involves entanglement and a piece of shared information that was moved through space time. But Bob, doesn't doesn't quantum, I mean, doesn't quantum mechanics tell us that entangled particles actually are not Exchanging information in real time. No, 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 no. No, mathematical no, no, no. correlation. No, no. You, 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 you got to do. You got to do the following. You have to exchange and share a piece of information at both ends of the link mm-hmm. that was transported through space time. Then you can send an entangled particle through using quantum teleportation and using that shared information, decode it. Got it. So once you have established the link with space-time bits, you can decode the faster-than-light quantum teleportation entangled particle. Uh, And you think that's what we're doing with RV? I believe it with all my heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, Leonard Susskind... And Juan Maldacena and these other people that are now showing that Einstein Rosen and Einstein Podolsky Rosen, and there's Einstein doing everything again, is the same thing as entanglement is based, is using wormholes and wormholes are held open by entanglement. So, uh, and and, then Leonard Susskind gave a great talk 
uh, where he showed how to transfer this information using quantum teleportation with the shared space-time information at both ends. He gave a talk at a conference that you can find on YouTube, and Leonard Susskind does a great job. Simeon, I thought I would show you the latest addition to the family. Hey, there it is. There it is. Nice. Yes. What a nice. What is it? What's that? It's a Dean. Is that Gibson? No, it's a Dean. It's a cheaper one, but the price was right. Yes. So, Dave, if you can play guitar, you know everything you need to know about quantum mechanics. Because all quantum mechanics is a quantized version of oscillation with the same damping effects and everything. That string, that string you pluck is an oscillator. Yes. And all of quantum mechanics is a harmonic oscillator. Yes. Quantum field theory is based on a quantum harmonic oscillator. Right. And it's Kaladny, Ernst Kaladny, that started developing these wave functions just with one, you know, one electron. They weren't complex. But it started back then in the 1800s developing acoustic wave forms. Without that, you wouldn't have had uh, the Schrodinger wave function. So it starts with that guitar, Dave, and that's all you need to know. That it starts right there with vibration. Perfect. Yep. Appreciate that. And, it, and you just you can't understand how how nuclei can stay together with the massive electromagnetic repulsion between the protons without understanding these gluons travel through wormholes to glue things together. It's quantum teleportation that keeps those things together. All right, I want to say a big thank you tonight to Human Carl, Atlantis Pascal times four, five, Red Panda, Jules, Lala, Deb, and Jeff, Linda, uh, Pam H., Bob, and Nero for the amazing Super Chats. They really do help out what we do here on a nightly basis. So thank you so, so much. And uh, don't forget, Bob and I will, and many others will be at UFOCon 2023 in less than two weeks' time. High number 31, Lars Janssen, starting in goal tonight with a 1.98 goals against average from Stockholm, Sweden. Good to see you. And, of course, here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us tonight, Clam? Palacesia. Palacesia is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. 
Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Near the middle of each month, we bring in Dr. Bob McGuire for a little ditty we call Science Bob and Friends, where we get to the who, what, where, when, why, and how of all things regarding the strange phenomena around us. Tonight, we are joined by our special guest, Dr. Simeon Hine. Science Bob, it's uh, been a great show so far. Well, let me tell you, we've driven our audience crazy with quantum mechanics, consciousness being energy, and so forth. Let's change pace. Simeon, I know you can tell us some really, really, really interesting, really strange, but maybe without a name or something, remote viewing stories. So pick one from your history that you found really, really odd and wild and tell us about it. Yeah, that's a good question. Before I go into ones that I've experienced with people I've worked with, uh, we have to go back to Yuri Geller, the first test subject at SRI and Lawrence Livermore Labs. Yuri had always said that his powers came from having contact with an orb, a ball of light in his apartment complex. I believe it was Tel Aviv. And recently a neighbor came forward, said he saw this happen, that a ball of light chased Yuri Geller. And it hit Yuri and he fell down. And when he got up, from unconsciousness, he had all these psychokinetic powers. Uh, it didn't end there, though, because Yuri said that this ball of light had been dispatched from some sort of spaceship in the upper atmosphere, and we're all familiar with that story, right? And and you can believe that or not, but all we know from the history of the remote viewing program, and you can read this in Jim Schnabel's book, this, The Secret History of Remote Viewing, uh, is that what it was? Uh, remote viewing. It was a remote viewing book by Jim Schnabel. He talked about the weird things that happened to Targ and Putoff and Kit Green and all the other scientists at Lawrence Livermore Labs. They saw cryptids inside their homes, not Dogman and uh, Bigfoot, like we're more familiar with on this channel in particular. But Ashley is bringing you their biggest event of the year, March 10th through 12th. For three days only, shop Hot Crate Deals, the biggest deals of the year on trending furniture styles, decor, and more throughout the store and online. Plus, get no interest for 60 months with no minimum purchase and no down payment. The Orange Event is happening for three days only. Hurry into your local Ashley store or tap the banner to shop and save today. Ashley. See store ashley.com for details. 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Huge birds at the end of the bed, small discs flying around the lab like the classic 1950s UFO, and even a floating arm at one point. And then the next day, Kit was visiting with Hal and Russell somewhere, and in knocking at the door, and in walks a guy missing that arm. That they had seen floating. It's so bizarre. But doesn't that sound like parallel realities to you? This is when you put it all together. 
leads you to think that there's this overlapping phenomenology. In other words, to make this really simple, we're dealing with the same phenomena over and over again that manifests itself in remote viewing, psychokinesis, what we see around crop circles, haunted sites, some cryptid encounters, not every single one. Yes, there's the pure flesh and blood type. I mentioned Gary earlier. And UFOs, uh, the same. This is all the same underlying reality. And it always, it seems to make you feel like what we're experiencing here is just the surface of a very complex object. We're in flatland. And we're on a very complex fractalized sphere that contains all these inhabitants, which somehow come through sometimes onto the flat surface. And that, you know, would echo what Ingo told me once when I talked to him is that we're the kind of strange ones that think that ordinary reality is reality. That, that it's such a limited idea about it. But anyway, some of the strange experiences, I have to tell you, going even back to Farsight Institute when I was teaching there back in 1996, my first encounter with orbs was a gentleman that was doing a viewing session who said that an orb came into the room while he was viewing an extraterrestrial target, floated around, and he reached out to touch it. You know, like a good viewer, like in phase six where we do the clay modeling. Well, he reached out to see, oh, we hadn't learned phase six yet, but he just intuitively, I should reach out and touch. And he said he got a sh the shock of his life. It was like putting his hands into molten lead. And the monitor did not see the orb, but he, she could see a buzz reaching up with his hands and screaming out in pain. So she saw part of it. But this is not surprising given that these objects look different to different observers in an area. That they could be transparent to one person and be visible to another. So that's one really uh, strange experience from the beginning. I have to mention another one, though. It was in the crop circles where a woman was doing in one of the circles and she got this spontaneous vision of another pattern, which had not shown up yet. She drew it and sketched it out. And I included this in Opening Minds. You could see her sketch. The sketch she drew showed up the next day. She had had a precognitive experience of what crop formation was going to appear very nearby. And I have another story like that. Well, this is sort of like RV. There was a circle maker I knew who showed me some of the ropes about man-made circles. He said he was lying in his bed when a pattern showed up in his mind, and he felt compelled to go out and make it by himself. It was a flower of life, and he felt he should make it in the Avebury area. So he got in his car in the middle of the night, drove over to Avebury and made a beautiful flower of life, which crop circle people will be familiar with in the Avebury area. Guess what? There was a group of people meditating on the flower of life symbol just a hundred yards away from where he made that formation, but he never saw them and they didn't know about him. So how is that for our type of entanglement? They're meditating on a flower of life symbol. He gets this feeling to go out and make one in that area that is a morphogenetic field, in my view. It's some physical field of energy. And I know we're talking quantum here, Bob, and we're talking about digitization and, and binary outcomes. But this, to me, also seems like a de Broglie physical, you know, like the de Broglie bone 
physical pilot waveform where this mental energy is extending from this group to a circle maker who would be just the right person to receive that signal who feels to, who who gets up out of bed in the middle of the night and makes a crop circle he did and it happened to be the shape they were meditating on so you, again you get this sort of the information is flowing in such incomprehensible ways but at the same time it makes sense right so uh, uh of course uh, a lot of people don't understand don't know a lot of the history behind uh, multiverse and again we're going to come back to a name over and over and over when we talk about that that person that produced the smartest students who ever walked through physics in the last hundred years john archibald wheeler john wheeler had a student student was named hugh everett hugh everett proposed the many worlds theory which ultimately has turned into multiverse multiverse is a version of many worlds so i live with Lala Bright, who of course is uh, has psychic abilities, and she is constantly bringing up Mandela effects, which sound to me like uh, different parts of many worlds or multiple universes leaking through into her consciousness, and it just sounds like that to me every time. Every time she talks to me about a Mandela effect, as these two universes are really close. And this one has something a little bit different from this one. I would think her favorite is Skechers with a T and Skechers without a T. That's the one I've heard about the most. Uh, so it just, this, this many worlds seems to have a lot of basis in observable reality. No, it, it does. And Bob, I'm wondering, I mean, how do you deal with Hugh Everett's serious criticism of quantum mechanics that there is no wave function collapse and that consciousness doesn't have anything to do with it. It's completely governed by things like the Schrodinger wave equation and all branches are real. In other words, you and I are not collapsing. We're almost like shrinking just to be on one path of evolution within that equation. And we're ignorant of the others except if there's this communication, which to me is RV or what, the, the, that the others all exist. And you and I exist in these realities too, doing other things, but that there is no collapse. It's just lack of knowledge on our and, part. And, and the issue, people re, were revolted. They, were, they reviled the very idea. But I tell you what, there's no experiment you can run that they'll tell the difference between the standard current interpretation and the many worlds theory. Right. There is no experiment you can do to tell the difference. So you might as well believe many worlds because you can't tell the right. difference. Just there's you and I are sitting here talking as we sit here and talking. Many, many copies of us are going into the future. And one of them we're talking about topic A and the other one we're talking about topic B. I mean, it's just really hard for people to wrap their mind around this kind of constant infinite and I mean uncountably infinite, expansion of the branches of the universe into these many worlds. And it's, it, it, it's this inconceivability of this to the standard thinking people that everything was contained in space-time. Or by the time we got the quantum field theories, everything is contained in space-time because Einstein showed that all physics was the same everywhere in space-time, except 
we're not capturing some of the physics in space-time. We cannot explain consciousness and other things like it so far inside of space-time. And so people say, well, you can't show me any, any proof of the non-physicality of consciousness. And it's just we're not describing it because we're not thinking about it correctly. As many worlds cannot be experimentally shown to not be the same as the Bohr interpretation of quantum mechanics. Right. And if we want to look at it concretely, there's you're familiar with Larry Dossi's yes. work. Pre, he's, he's done a lot of work in precognition, and he gave us some lectures at SSC, Society for Scientific Exploration. You know, Jacques Vallée was instrumental in the beginning, Peter Sturek. You know, a lot of the UFO people founded this organization quite a while ago. But Dossi told us these examples of people having precognitive experiences of disasters. And one I know, since you asked about RV, it was this famous case of a CIA contractor that visited one of the people in the viewing program in Detroit. And they were both supposed to fly back to DC the next day and the remote viewer, and I'm not sure who it was. I'm sure I could find out if I dug a little bit, had a dream that the plane was going to crash, but he didn't want to tell this guy because he thought this guy would think he was nuts. Right? So he made up an excuse not to get on the plane. And he, he drove as he's driving away from the airport, the guy, the contract monitors on the plane, it crashed. And, uh, uh, that is an example, um, of an, you know, where it seems like the different branches already exist and they're communicating in a little what they call the Everett telephone. There's yep. some community in the Everett model. There's no communication between the branches, but don't you think Bob, from our experience as humans, there's communication from the branches. We all know precognitive experiences. We were just Max, the, the fellow from our group who had that precognitive experience of the plane in Little Rock, who was going to be, he might have been on that plane. Okay. He had this precognition. So that to me is an example. 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, we can help get you there. We have a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. Visit mgccc.edu to register today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Example of communication between the branches. I mean, it's proof that it's happening. Okay, I don't so know of another alternative explanation. Here's you, here's you and me. And we're going to go here and here. So we're together and then we're going to go here and here. Each of us carried away something we shared with this one and this one. The something we shared will allow decoding of the quantum teleportation between here and here. This is Suskin Maldasena all over again in a different way. This time, the shared information went along two branches through two multiverses, and quantum teleportation allows them to communicate using this shared information. I just think we're going to get there from here. It's not, this is fuzzy. I can't write down the math. 
but I can see the concept and how it would work. Right. And so, okay. So Dave, your idea about portals, let's talk about one more facet of what Bob and I are talking about here. If you really want to push it, the a ports objects appearing out of nowhere. We know people report this around Sasquatch Bigfoot over and over again. Uh, There are stories around Yuri Geller back at SRI of objects showing up in ice cream cones, falling out of the air of things that I think either uh, Targ or Putoff were missing for months. And there it just shows up again when Yuri is around. That is a sort of extreme example of this physical effect of this connection between these realities where something seems to be, I don't know other way to put it, teleporting at us wherever it's coming from. In the case of the Sasquatch, it's pretty sometimes beautiful rocks and crystals. And some of the people have asked me, they seem to show, these Sasquatch seem to show up with things that are 100 years old. They don't even know, where would you get something like this? You know, old jewelry or bottles or things that just pop out, you know, seem to pop. And for even one of our listeners, our participants here, Jules, had a Sasquatch story when she was upset and the pipe wrench showed up right at the time she needed it. When she goes out and she's weeping and she's taking a break, there's the pipe. So, if you want to push this, this gets into psychokinesis, which I've seen demonstrations of in Japan. I've seen this, no shadow of a doubt, someone that could project energy from their hands, levitate things. But this seems to go part and parcel of with RV. So if you think it's just a mental effect or just some sort of very faint, you know, and the RV signal is faint, as Bob knows. It can be very subtle, but it's there. But it's not just subtle because it can. It, it, it's related to physical objects showing right up in front of your right in front of you popping out of the people say just pops out of the space from wherever right falls at your feet i'd like to share my too often repeated but maybe many people haven't heard and are forgotten my airport story um i re i reawakened to all of this when on a whim i decided to visit chris bledsoe so i went to chris bledsoe's house and we saw two orbs and some other stuff. And I left there saying, Chris, you know, I think I'd like to try to help you try to put together some science equipment and some talks and other things so that we and process your evidence so that you can more successfully prove what you've been saying to others because he was under attack a lot back then. Okay, so I went back home and two things happened. The one I want to talk about now is what what woke me up and got me going with Chris after I told him I would laying in my bed reading and I got a squirt of water in the face right out of the middle of the air. Now I didn't believe it the first time I thought my roof was leaking. So I called up my contractor and says, you know, this dead gum roof you fixed it's it's leaking. And he says, bud, go look at your weather report. It hasn't rained a single drop here in 10 days. This is not a leak out of the roof, and the roof is brand new. And I'm a good contractor. The roof is fine. So the next day, I got another squirt of water. And I hollered out, told people to come in and look. And there was water on my legs and on my shirt and on the blanket on which I was laying reading a book. The third day, squirt of water. I hear a squeal at the other end of the house and squirted water on me. And I go down there and I see water squirted on them and squirted on me. 
I pick up the phone. I call Chris Bledsoe. I say, okay, Chris, I commit. I'm going to help you with your paper. I'm going to work on what at the time was UA uh, PTN, then became Skyhub, and is now Sky360 to gather evidence so anybody can believe. Okay, and uh, it ended. The airports ended, and the person who was with me was my ex-wife who had a stroke, and she was cured of most of the ravages of the stroke. I mean, this stuff is can't make it up. Uh, so the airport was a, was was something right out of the middle of the air, and there you go. It's this cam- coming from somewhere. Where is the somewhere? It's another multiverse, whatever. It's just uh, just stuff is weird, Simeon. Yeah, and that reminds me uh, one story that I included in Dark Matter Monsters, which. Everyone should have a copy of that. It was a story I got permission to share from someone that had worked in one of the intel agencies where they were monitoring a Soviet PK experiment. In 1976, he told me 30 guys or analysts were in a room and they were monitoring a Soviet PK sender bend a spoon from a thousand miles away from Moscow. And I said, did it bend? He said, yeah, on command, that spoon bent a thousand miles away from the sender. So it's not just stories that Bob and I are telling to our audience right now. I mean, this is something that's been verified by the U.S. government. I asked him why they couldn't share this. Wouldn't this be the most fascinating news headline ever that U.S. government has proved positive that this sort of thing is real? I mean, if you can do PK, you could probably also send objects through space a thousand miles away maybe some individuals could but he said no that it was more important to maintain secrecy obviously sources and methods and all that and we get that but this never even made it to the remote viewing program at fort Meade. they didn't even tell the remote viewers over there that they had, were monitoring this and that it was real but i mean if you they're cover if this is being covered up how much else of this type of knowledge that we're talking about here a ports and other precognition how much other evidence is there that we've never heard about because the people that were there it's either a classified stovepipe program or they just felt look we got to preserve the way that we got the information and we don't want to reveal that so we've never heard these stories how much how many other stories are out there like this that would be proof not just coming from me and bob but from an official source yeah it's got to be wild and of course i hesitate to bring up the possibility but hey, I'm I uh, I'll bring it up anyway. If I can have a remote telekinetic effect, there's some pretty nasty things I can do remotely, and they don't want it brought up. And that's just in the bathroom. <laughs> I had to. I had I had to say something this half hour. I had to. But uh, gentlemen, get in a get in a question. There's got to be an audience question. There is audience questions, but we got to go to break here at the uh, bottom of the hour. So I'm going to get you, Science Bob, and you, Dr. Simeon Hine, to hold on for just a couple of seconds here because we are going to continue with Science Bob and Friends when we return from this break. Yes, we will get to some audience questions. we got a few that have been built up. Most just listening to this great chat that we are having tonight. Hope you are enjoying it as well. Science Bob and Friends, Dr. Bob McGuire, and our special guest, Dr. Simeon Hyde, returns 
right after this on Spaced Out Radio. So stay tuned. All right, we are clear. Well, we have to go to this question from Jules when we get back. <laughs> well, I mean, we, 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 let's just take audience questions as soon as we get back. And when, when we run out, Sammy and I will fill in the last few microseconds that will be left. Sure. Bob, I got to say, I gotta say something about what you just said. Uh, I mean, about the negative effects of this remote influencing, as it's called, because – Lynn Buchanan's talked about this a lot, and he was a remote influencer, as many everyone knows. He's talked about it publicly. But he always told us that whatever you put out is going to come back to you and your family because you're the sink. Again, you put it out, but you're the same freak. It's coming back this way. And he said every time he did this, and he was tasked to do this to Saddam Hussein and a couple other nasties before you know, an invasion just to make him feel a little confused. You could understand why the military would want to use that. But he said it would come back to him, his family. So this isn't something that you want to do too often because yeah. it's multiplied with you because you're the circuit, right? Yeah. So that's that's good to know. I, I wondered why you didn't hear more about these remote kinetic effects doing something ugly. The person I knew in Japan that did it near Nagasaki at the Magic Parlor, as his place was called, they had to call it that because he had been taken to court by local magicians who said he was doing real PK and it was unfair competition. So they had made him change the name from Psychic Parlor to Magic Parlor. He used it in hospitals uh, to heal people. And he actually ran his hand over my arm, one of the people. 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, we can help get you there. We have a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. Visit mgccc.edu to register today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. People in my RV class said, hey, you should talk to Simi. And I went back after the, and it was like pins and needles. I have felt this. He did not touch my arm. It was this far away, but you could feel. So I have felt whatever this effect is. And I don't think it's all that different from what Tesla described when he was a little too close to his pulse discharge devices. He said it felt like pins and needles. I think it's the same freaking effect, whether it comes from a machine or a human body. But that's uh, that's my view of it. Uh, I don't know, Bob, if you could really use this for negative purposes without really doing damage to yourself in the long run, too. I mean, you're around this. Let's, at least yeah. that would be a constraint. So, uh, yeah. you know, I believe that I believe that consciousness is fundamental. This means that all the other underlying forces will be uh, uh, emergent from consciousness. And so we'll be able to do them all. Right. We could do them all. And uh, yeah, 
it's uh it's you have to wonder what the actual effect is um this fellow in Japan said it took him 10 years of daily practice, like working out to be, he was not born this way. Uh, he learned how to do this from practice trial and error of how to project energy. So it does seem something like a muscle that when you practice with it, you could take it in the direction of RV or you can take it in this direction. It, it just takes daily practice to I, connect I, I, don't, it. Don't, don't you think that 99.99% of that uh, year, 10 years of training is convincing yourself you can do it? Uh, he said he had minor success. I mean, it's partly that, but he said as a kid, he would always attempt to see if he could steer insects at a distance. And it just, he didn't explain the actual methodology, but he was convinced if he worked at it. What, what about someone like Nina Kalugina? That is a very interesting case of someone that developed it later. Yeah, and there's some films I've been watching recently where they really documented under controlled circumstances that the ability things. to do it. Yeah, under and a bell sure. jar. Under a bell jar, she could move things. Under a bell jar. Under a bell jar. So. Yeah, gentlemen, this we got is about as one minute. Heavy as you've gotten, Dave. I'm way out to lunch on tonight's show. Way <laughs> out to lunch. I hope we didn't bore your audience. No, no, they're loving it. They they are loving it. It's you know, I mean, my my knowledge of science is extremely limited. So I'm just sitting back, letting you two eggheads go at it and have some fun. And uh, uh, I know just I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to say a big thank you to Nero, Bob, Pam H, Linda, Jeff, Pascal, times one, two, three, four, five. Dave, uh, you yeah. know uh you know Carter, don't you, Bruchart? Yeah, great guy. Oh he's yeah, been yeah. on the show he'll a couple Las, times. He'll be in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, guys. Here, here we go. Here we go. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the final half hour of Science Bob and Friends, Dr. Bob McGuire, formerly of Virginia Tech University, and our special guest tonight, Dr. Simeon Hine, and they are talking all sorts of science woo out there. I don't believe this stuff is real but just because of how technical they're talking, but then... I'm not a science guy, and I'm just sitting back and enjoying it just like all of you. Science Bob, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing super-duper, and we're so glad that Simeon's here. And for all of those who've been bowled over by all this technical stuff, 
Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. And thank you for supporting Spaced Out Radio and letting an old geek like me come in and have some fun. Dave, let's do some audience questions. Let's start with Lovey Love, who is asking Dr. Simeon Hine, what does a tetrax tetraxis mean in symbology? Is it a deity symbol, demon symbol, godhead? Tetra, four. Four, are you talking a tetrahedron? Tetrahedral, is that what this? I have no idea. Tetra. Two triangles intersecting. Tetra. It 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 can mean what you want it to mean. I don't I don't believe there's inherent meaning in these shapes. They, they can it's it's like your guitar, Dave. You can make some really beautiful sounds like that, and you can make some screechy sounds. It's how you play the shape that matters. Uh so that's my best guess. And I want to answer Jules' question quick though. All right. We got to answer this. Well, let me, let it was me, right before. Let me, let me bring it up here. Jules is asking, tell us about how everything is related to the effects of dark matter phenomenon. So I just want to give some examples of this just really quickly because it's a big topic. And it's sort of the other side of what Bob's talking about quantum effects is that there's this background dark matter, still mysterious. We know some of it is these relic neutrinos, maybe a half of 1%, half to 1% because they're already quantum coherent. They were emitted all at the same time in cosmological history. They have a same de Broglie wavelength, you know, three to four microns interacts with our cells and so forth. But let me give you one quick example, since there's so many effects of the compression of dark matter and the uh, the energetic effects. It's and I, I don't think Carter will mind me sharing this story. I've been going through his second book, Evidence of Enigma, Part Two. And he has stories in there of missing time around Sasquatch, which I've encountered personally from people I've talked to in the Rockies. But And you got to read this account. It's fascinating of a guy, the Sasquatch is coming around the trailer. The guy gets scared, goes in. He just grabs a knife, goes in the bathroom. His police dog is in there with him. It's 11.30 p.m. He's got the knife pointed at the door, just like a horror movie, waiting for the Sasquatch to come through this thin wall trailer. And the next thing he knows, it's 5.30 a.m. And he's still in the same position. He looks around and the dog is just coming out of a daze. They hadn't been like stuck in that position or you'd be sore after five, you know six hours, five hours standing with the. To me, that is a dark matter compression time slip. It's literally like they jumped from 11.30 to 5.30. It's not like they were there for five hours. They were in that days because the permittivity of the space changes when you're around, in my view, life forms that can manipulate just like this PK guy in Japan, but even more intensely manipulate dark matter fields of energy. It causes changes in permittivity, permeability. I mean, Bob would understand this, the basic constants in space of electricity and magnetism. And I believe that causes time slips. And I think that is one of the effects of concentrations of dark matter. And that could explain why people around Sasquatch start, start seeing gravity invert sometimes, things floating around, car battery, car won't start just when you want it to leave, stuff like that. I, I think this has something to do with it. I think we've seen this around crop circles too and a lot of other paranormal phenomena. That's why I think there's an underlying connection and that's a sort of brief answer, Jules, to why I think there's a dark matter component to this. It comes out of the 
again, the coherence. Again, it's something in the background, but the coherency of physical matter or the particles being at the same frequency can start organizing that dark matter in toroidal forms, which creates a lot of compression, uh, toroidal magnetic effects, and so forth. So that's just one component of how I think you start seeing these, possibly these dark matter effects. And one of the parameters that uh, Simeon mentioned is directly involved through the Maxwell equations in determining the speed of light, which exactly. of course, which governs which governs uh, the movement of time. So you change one of these constants, you're going to change how fast light goes and how long time takes. So uh, th these things are all related. Ab absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. Let's get to another question here. Let's go to Shelley. Redirectional parallel waves, is this even a thing? Or directional parallel? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. parallel waves of what? So this is the thing. You know, Bob mentioned Hugh Everett before. The original idea, I mean, there could have been other people in the past, Bob, but parallel reality, many worlds, the many worlds idea. And this is the idea that they literally are parallel. But the other idea is they're not perfectly parallel, so they interact a little bit. Nonlinear Schrodinger equation, get interacting. We don't know quite how it all works. And Bob, there's one more idea behind here. You've probably heard of the many interacting worlds model that says that the actual wave function comes out of the interaction of parallel realities. It's sort of an inverted way of looking at it, creates the same predictions. But that's my response to that question is it, it's sort of parallel but maybe they're not totally parallel so they do intersect and this is telepathy and precognition and so forth yep all right let's move on here let us go to uh dr robert steers here and he is asking how does one correspond with the hitchhiker effect oh good one good one yep well, let me just take a stab at that. This is right out of James Lukatsky's excellent book, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, must read. I mean, just for the sheer sociology how the other intel agencies wanted nothing to do with OSAP. They said it's going to give us stigma. We can't be associated with weird stuff like dogmen and orbs in our pristine intelligence agencies. So the hitchhiker effect is what Lukatsky referred to as bringing it's an idea i'm not saying this is literally happening but the feeling like you're experiencing something anomalous at skinwalker ranch or marley woods or albert county or wherever the portal area is and and dave mentioned portals there are various ones of these around just in the u.s that somehow those anomalies attach themselves to you this is the idea behind it i'm not saying i totally agree this is what happened when you get back home to your suburban maryland home there's the dog man looking in your window. Even your kids see it who you didn't tell what you were doing out at Skinwalker because it OSAP was, you know, let's, classified. Let's go out to Skinwalker. Let's walk around. Let's have an impact with a breakthrough of a parallel universe. Whoops. Now, my physical wave function is now entangled with their physical wave function. And even though they go back to their universe and I go home, we're still entangled. And, 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 and there's a, 
that that is one interpretation of it. It's like an entanglement. But let me, Bob, let me suggest another alternative: is that just being encountering these dark matter phenomena impacts your whole wave function within oh, your that. body, and you're going to start seeing other things. You're going to evolve in ways that you didn't evolve. That you're going to see things that might have been there that you didn't see. In other words, here's my interpretation of the hitchhiker effect: you're seeing parallel realities that you didn't see before because being out at Skinwalker broadened your perceptual range, you know, changed your whole, you, your you, whole state. You, you already mentioned the nonlinear Schrodinger. So if you mix these two, you're going to get a nonlinear modulation of one by the other. And yes. you're going to take it home. Going to take it home. Two, two ways of looking at it. Yep. And there's your friend Dogman in the backyard. <laughs> And you, like just, you just you just modulated your own wave function with dogman wave function, and you took it home with you a little bit. And, and, and Bob, it could have just been an orb, which was sort of a Fourier transform of those cryptids. You might not have encountered the dogman directly. You just encountered the orb, like you know, again going back to Ramirez, the stealth plasma form. Of yeah. it. So, well, yeah. if, if if it's an orb and you interact, and you take home a new wave function, but now it's the superposition. Of, yes. Uh, your wave function with the other yes. one. The superposition, right. They're just linearly mixed. I mean, there's many ways we can get there. We mm. need measurements of some type to tell whether it's a nonlinear modulation or a linear superposition. We just, we need experiments. So we're not there yet. Makes sense. All right, gentlemen, let's get to another question here from our audience. And let's go to Kim, who says, Simeon, say a black hole moves through my living room. Could you divert it with your mind? Can we influence it? Well, that's what we're going to be doing in the advanced RV class, actually. But in all seriousness, yes. And this is what Alexander Parkhamov former Soviet classified aeronautics researcher, top-level guy in the Soviet now Russian researcher, argued in his book Space, Space Earth Human, is that, and we never heard this from American science, but this is what they believed over there in Soviet Union Russia, is that you've got these small black holes coming into the atmosphere, creating things like the Tunguska event, but even sometimes on a micro scale, moving through a village, you see all the shingles come off as the thing went over. Some of those scientists, and these were pretty high-level people in former, you know, formerly classified research, argued that small black holes could come into the atmosphere, move through the walls and so forth, just like we see apparitions do sometimes, and create a whole host of effects. So it wouldn't surprise me if you could train yourself. It would take training. I, I don't. It would take some training to do this, to interact with it to divert it with your own cold neutrino flux because we're emitting the same frequencies as some of this dark matter. Come. At least this is what Matsumoto from Japan argued is that these cold fusion processes emit dark matter. They emit these uh, kind of, as Bob is saying, these, t these tubes that connect to the other side where particles come out like white holes. And so it wouldn't be surprising if a human could actually do this, but it would take training and knowledge and so forth, I think, to be able to do such a thing. Yeah, when does the advanced RV class start? No, I'm just kidding. Next question, Dave. 
All right. You'll, you'll, soon, soon, Bob, soon. All right, let's do another follow-up from Cam. Can we protect from remote influencers? Yes. Okay, this question has come up many times. Great question, Kim. It, you need to have a sense of humor. It can't impact you as much if you're not at a frequency that's fixed. Yes. I have to say, one of the things that Lynn would say frequently was that the one of the worst things you could do is to try to imagine that you're surrounded by a sphere of white light. Because he said that made it easier to find you. And there were techniques. I encountered some of this working at a Soviet East-West Soviet American Research Institute uh, in Vienna in 89, just before the fall of East Germany, that time period. Uh, it was really fun working with these scientists from the East Bloc. I mean, they understood a lot of the stuff we're talking here just intuitively. Uh, they did not have the barriers that some of us did. They all gave me gifts. And years later, I read that the reason the Soviets gave you gifts was it was a remote viewing tracker. They would give that object to a remote viewer and locate you and find out what you were up to, hoping maybe you had moved up in the hierarchy and you knew some special secrets. But the best way to protect yourself is not to worry about it so much. And again, I'm just repeating what Lynn Buchanan told us in his classes is that you have natural defense mechanisms within your consciousness to such activities. And the worst thing you could do is to dwell on it. Well, so I would make fun of it. Just like they would put Bob, as you know, classified installations next to amusement parks. Yep. Because it makes them much harder to view. I like I like to imagine myself surrounded by mirrors and reflecting it back then while I'm laughing. Yeah, but Bob, I'm going to take credit. There you go. I'm going to take credit for this because you had no clue this could happen until we had our experience. Any clue at all? I agree. And one night, Bob and I were on the phone talking about some pretty sensitive stuff on 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 Signal, and I picked up a remote viewer viewing in. I could actually tell you exactly what he was wearing he was wearing a short sleeve collared shirt just like this but it was yellow and black very small stripes so yellow and black with khaki pants he had uh, he had short hair kind of balding on top and he was a couple pens in the pocket there and he removed was removing a, a remote viewing right in on our conversation and i said to bob i i had no idea what bob's house looked like i said bob are you sitting in front of a window and he goes, yes. I said, is there a tree behind that window? And he goes, as a matter of fact, there is. I said, okay, look at the side of the tree and tell me if you see anything strange. And that's where he said he saw the shadow of another human that was remote viewing on his side of everything. So it's an energetic thing, too, that if you're tuned in, you can pick up. Yep. You can pick it up. And, and you know, I, I got to say this, uh, Bob, we've had classes and, and, and you haven't gone quite to the advanced class yet, but you'll understand the idea. We've had these viewing sessions on extraterrestrial targets where the viewer told me they felt like they had to stop, that they were being viewed back by the ETs. It could have been on a craft or something. All of a sudden they get the feeling like they're telling me to leave. And it was blind targets. It's not like we told them you're viewing a spacecraft. They didn't know what they were viewing. They just felt like sort of what Dave is saying, that there's a vibe coming back. You don't have permission to be here. Uh, you need, and they'll stop the session, which is fine. The viewer's always in charge. So, 
Well, so this is good because Lala told me to ask about uh, remote viewing extraterrestrials. So we're good. We're looking forward to the next class. Yeah, they don't always mind. I mean, you know, it, remember Steve Greer's story, how he got involved with this is he had an out-of-body experience. He was very ill and he had gone on this long bike ride and all of a sudden he was up and he went through a craft and they said, what are you doing here type of thing? Well, we've had that type of thing happen with people. And uh, anyway, sometimes they don't mind, but you don't know who you're going to get. You know, it's kind of like a random luck of the draw. Who's, who's, you know, who's in the craft. So, well, I think you can say, I only want to go to a friendly one and let me go to yeah. a friendly one and have a good ride. Maybe you'll let me drop. Yeah. Maybe you'll let me fly the craft. Yeah. Get, put your hands on the controls and give it, give it a spin around the, the solar system. All right. Let's go to sovereign. If you're gone too long through a portal, you are considered dead after a certain amount of time. What if you come back like... 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Don't let life pass you by. It's time to go big at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Whether you're working towards a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, MGCCC can help you get there with a wide variety of classes offered online or on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. So what are you waiting for? Visit mgccc.edu to register for spring classes today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Five years later. Well, it depends on the court system you're going through after you've been declared dead. Right. It depends on the country and the court system because that's a that's a judicial process of having you declared dead. And honestly, physically, your body wouldn't be in great shape to sustain a soul and consciousness after that period of time. So you probably wouldn't come back to the same yeah. uh, body, I would imagine, after you know, five years. But it's happened after a couple hours. We've all heard stories like this or even a day or so. So uh, that is another aspect of this, by the way, we haven't discussed is people who, you know, the near-death experience, which seems to reinforce a lot of this is people. And I've talked to some of these people uh, who've experienced this when they've been declared dead on the operating table or during childbirth they start seeing all sorts of features of the building that were not visible in the room. When they come back, they're able to describe to the doctors, the doctors cannot believe it. They, the conversations the doctors were having, the inside of the elevator shaft, you know, things like this, which again shows us in Bob's direction here that consciousness is not non-local. It's not always localized in our body. All right, let's yes. go to Derek. So, uh... We got four I minutes. Want point, I, want to, I want to point out one thing, David, right. you don't mind, just quickly. Uh, uh, we, we have friends, John, we here have a friend, John Carpenter, who's written a book about NDEs and people going to the other side. I recommend this book highly because it describes the experiences that Simeon is talking about. Go ahead, Dave. All right. Derek is asking, when are these UFO conventions going to come out east you never hear of them out east. There's there's a couple in Pennsylvania, but that's about it. Uh, let's get to uh, Tony here. 
Simeon, could you tell one of the uh, uh, tell of the most outstanding remote view when you worked at the Farsight Institute? Yeah, there were a number of those. That's a good question. I can just relate one that I experienced where it really felt like bilocation, and that was destruction of the dinosaurs target. It, it was, again, a blind target. You're not told what you're looking at. But I started out by seeing all these creatures in a swamp. You don't know they're dinosaurs because you don't realize, you know, what the target is. But the thing that really stuck out to me was the pristineness of the atmosphere, the air, 65 million years ago. It just smelled like complete like air without a scintilla of modern pollution. And that's what I could feel during the session. And then all of a sudden, you're moved to the target event, significant event, all of a sudden, you know, dust everywhere and so forth. So that was just one, just my personal experience. I'm sure if we had more time here, I could come up with more examples. But one where I actually felt like it was there. Some people call it bilocation. So. The Intense Reality of Eternity by John Yes. Carpenter. Yes. Thank you, John Carpenter. Two minutes to go here on Science Bob and Friends with Dr. Simeon Hine as well. Uh, gentlemen, you know, we talked a lot about portals. We talked a lot about where people are going, where animals are going. Have we ever, Simeon, been able to look into the other side of these portals to see what is actually out there? Is it just a is it just a desolate place, much like the movie Beetlejuice without the weird snake? Or is it exactly the way it is on this side so the person who crosses over has no clue no i think it's more of the latter dave that just be my response is you know people i know friends who've experienced these time slips or felt like they went to another reality temporarily didn't realize that this was happening at the time what you know is happening is something seems really odd about it not necessarily in a scary way is there synchronicities going on, just things that just clue you in a little bit that this is not ordinary reality. Then you come back and you realize you were somewhere else. So this isn't something to be afraid of. It's not this desolate void. It's just like Bob said, the way whoever described it, other versions of you in other timelines doing something else, and it could be a minor change or a big change. It's not a void of total shinyata emptiness it's it's just other versions of this it could be kind of fun and people i talk to they you know they were doing something over there and then sometimes boom you have to come back you know but no i think these are actually real it's just where you don't see it happening that's my experience you do not see this happening at the time when it happens it's your you realize it later science bob thank you so much for a great show again tonight my friend Oh, it's always great talking to Simeon. And uh, hey, thanks, guys. No, it's a lot of fun. Great questions, too. And I really do highly recommend anyone who wants to do coordinate remote viewing take Simeon's courses. They're worth every dime. Oh, thanks. I think they are, too, even though I haven't taken them. One of the things I do have to do, but Dr. Hine, you know you always have uh, airtime here on Spaced Out Radio for your incredible knowledge and your incredible way that you can break it on down for even the simplest of life forms like myself. And I and I really do appreciate that. Uh, that's what makes you real special. That's why I love having you here. Oh, thanks, Dave. Let's like, likewise. All right. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp to kick off hour number three. Then... Little Timmy Senor, the Timbit, 
We'll be here for the UFO report and another UFO video by Lou Elizondo's house. We'll be back right after this on Spaced Out Radio. All right. There we go, boys. Good job. Thanks a lot, guys. And and, uh, have a good visit with your mother, Simeon. Yes. Thanks. And it's off to Paramus tomorrow to the Rotary Club. (laughs) (laughs) Always tomorrow was to Paramus. Yeah. Compress all this into 20 minutes. So we'll do our best. (laughs) All right, gents. You need to to travel through a parallel universe and a a a wormhole tunnel so that you can get there instantaneously. Yeah, and have a little time dilation to stretch that 20 minutes. Or you can go backwards in time and repeat the day before and get a lot done. (laughs) Practical time dilation. I love it. (laughs) All right, gents. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you around. Okay, thanks. Good night. All right. There's Dr. Simeon Hine, Dr. Science Bob, and Dirty Filth coming on in with some great art tonight. Filth, tell them everything that they're going to get in Vegas when they come see you. Because they ain't coming to see me, that's for sure. Coming to see you, Dirty Phil. Come see you, Dave. They would have brushed their hands to your luscious locks. Oh yes. There he goes. Nobody's gonna be able to make his chair move either. So, cats are out of control. By the way, been fighting with them all night. But yeah, if you come to Vegas, excuse me. Give you some free cartoons. I got, oh boy, 230, I think now. I'm scribbling up a whole bunch earlier. So Dave's saying there's like 10 people confirmed. And if that's true, you're going to wind up with doubles and triples. You guys will just have to meet up at some weird place and trade dirty filth art cards at some point in time in the future. Maybe you could use it as currency when the world goes to poop. But nonetheless, come to Las Vegas, hang out with everybody's paced out radio, all your fellow weirdos. And if you're lucky like the Enzo guy last year, you could win like a billion dollars in the slot machines. I'm not sure why I didn't draw pocket protectors. I was... I already kind of had this idea in, in place. So that's why there was no pocket protectors. But there will be pocket protectors next time. I got some Science Bob drawings. I got some serious heavy-duty pocket protectors. Got a little bit left here to do anyways. Kind of hurt my brain, all those nerds talking today. Wee. Actually, Science Bob said some pretty interesting things earlier. And I kind of resonated with me. 
I'll have to bug him later. He's not playing around with his perpetual motion machine or whatever he's got in his basement. Secret science blob stuff. Yeah, I think that's pretty much done. Yes, come to Las Vegas. Hang out with everybody. Find me, I'll give you cartoons. I might have to bring a couple cats there and get rid of them. You can have a cat for free, maybe. Unbelievable. It's still my Jolly Rancher, Dave. Very cool. Very cool tonight. So basically, without naming any names or drawing any actual correct logos... I figured yes. I'd draw like some guy that fires rockets into space, hanging out with an alien in a rocket. The alien's basically wondering where the gravity wave generator is. And said guy that builds rockets is thinks it's a work in progress, I'd say. Perfect. Perfect. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate no that. Problem. All right. That's why we got Dirty Filth here, everyone. He's the dirtiest of the dirty when it comes to filth. Great job tonight. Great Thanks, job. Excited for Vegas? I am. I'm excited for San Francisco. I'm excited for Vegas. We got to remind everybody, if you have emailed in that you are going to be coming to our Las Vegas event at the second annual fan party at the Golden Nugget. Make sure you email back to cat at info at spacedoutradio.com. Cat at spaced out info at spacedoutradio.com. Let her know if you want regular tickets or VIP tickets. And we need your shirt size too if you're going to go VIP. There's a lot of stuff we need to get done before April 1st. So we really need your help that if you're coming, and you put your name down, we need you there. We want you there. We need to make sure that you are going to be there with us. So make sure you uh, hit that up. Thank you to all our super chatters tonight. We very much appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do on this show. Here comes our number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Palisizia. Palisizia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you 
Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp as he kicks off hour number three with another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. So about two or three months ago... I was out and about with my mom, and while driving home, I asked if we could stop by a graveyard. We usually pass this graveyard when driving down one of our usual routes. It probably sounds weird, but to be honest, I just like taking pictures. Aesthetically pleasing pictures to be more exact. And as you probably know, if you find the right headstone and capture it from the right angle, you can get some cool shots. I wanted to get a few pictures just for kicks, and I would be on my merry way. My mom liked to take pictures too, so she came along with me to find some cool things to photograph. Now, I did not actually get anything paranormal in these pictures, but the story is strange all the same. Here is the layout. The story of this graveyard is a bit weird, and the graveyard itself is a bit small. It has got a gate surrounding it and is in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. Strange placement, I know. I always wonder what the surrounding residents must have seen when they saw this being dug and created. Anyway, the graveyard has a paved road that makes a U-shape and circles back around to the front. We drove down the noticeably short path and started from the back taking the pictures. This graveyard is old, So of course I got caught up in capturing the essence of the time-faded gravestones. Some stood up, some lay in the ground. My personal favorite is the one that used to have a carving of a lamb on top, but is now so old you can barely make out the shape. There are also a few graves that simply say infant or baby on them, and some graves that even date back to World War I. It was such an interesting experience. The whole thing was melancholy. As I approached the front area of the graveyard, I broke off from where my mom was to go look elsewhere. I found a couple of graves that sat in the ground, unkempt and dirty. Then I saw one grave, almost completely buried under a layer of dust, dirt, and cut grass. That is when the most intense feeling washed over me. It is hard to describe, but I felt scared in some way. Almost like someone yelled at me for something that I did, and maybe that is what happened. Either way, the feeling I got was not very welcoming at all. Whatever was there wanted me gone, and it wanted me gone then and there. I lingered for a second, feeling confused, but then I made a fast-paced walking effort back to my mom. I was on the verge of tears for literally no reason. I said to her, We need to leave. She of course asked why, and I did not really give her a coherent response until I calmed down. I felt like something did not want me there. It was not like a random thought that I had. I mean, I physically felt fear. My chest tightened up like it does when you get really scared. 
like when you were having a panic attack. I really don't know why, and trust me, I know exactly how panic attacks feel. I have had many panic attacks in my 14 years of life, and it very much sucks. I felt a little bit dizzy from whatever happened, to be honest, and it did not feel scared or anything anymore. It just felt like someone yelled at me for doing something wrong. At least, that is how I feel when I get yelled at. For anyone who is not as sensitive to anger as I am, it can probably feel a little bit different. This story is probably kind of underwhelming to read, but I have to say I was scared witless for several hours. I guess whoever was buried there wanted those pesky kids off their lawn. No hard feelings, I guess. I get mad whenever someone wakes me up too. Also, a bonus since I always look at the graveyard when driving by, the other day I saw something weird, and I have never seen anything paranormal there before. They have some standard garden hoses around the graveyard for keeping the grass green and nice, and a few colibariums on the side. When I was driving past there, I saw what looked like a transparent pair of legs walking. Once we passed the garden hose and columbariums, it was gone, and that was in about just a second's time. I did think it was just a person that was being partially obscured by the angle of the sun or something, but no matter how hard I looked in time, there's no way a person could have been gone that quickly. I did not see anyone there. I know it has to be a ghost. It wasn't an animal either. It sounds like standard ghost stuff to me, but still, it was creepy and I thought I would like to share it. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, as he comes in each and every night, Monday through Friday, to kick off hour number three of Spaced Out Radio. And of course, if you want more stories just like that, all you got to do is go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you can get more of the swamp right there for free. From the swamp to the stars, it is time to bring in Tim Senor, a resident Timbit. For the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Little Timmy Senor, it's always great to have you here, my friend. How you doing? Boom. Doing just... Great. Thanks for asking. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of days here. We've got a lot of exciting news to bring to everyone. It's been a little bit crazy out oh, there in the UFO world. You, you know what I love is, and I feel bad for you sometimes, because I know you work hard on getting these reports done up. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, here's Dave throwing a bunch of stuff at you that is just coming out. And is like, man, we need to talk about this. Scrap this. Let's go to this. Scrap that. Let's go to that. I mean, it is all over the place right now. Yeah, it is. It's a cauldron of bubbling information. And so you really have to have your fingers on the pulse of social media and news resources to get your head around everything that's going on right now. And it definitely speaks to a bigger picture. There's definitely new eyes on the subject and a lot of scrutiny on new data. And uh, it's getting pretty hot out there. Well, let's start off with this. 
92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, we can help get you there. We have a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. Visit mgccc.edu to register today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Video that came out. Now, this one is from a gentleman who's been on this show, Sean Cahill, and Sean is obviously very close with Luis Elizondo and pretty much his right-hand man. And he recently released this video to Unraveling the Universe. And this video shows this this craft, this white craft, and it's early morning, and it goes along this mountainside, and it's about 40, 45 seconds long. And it's just incredible about what we are seeing here. Now, this is a video that was released on Reddit. And, of course, the supporters of the Elizondo clan are going absolutely haywire, thinking this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all the critics are out there who are against Elizondo are going there, really? This is garbage. It's an airplane. It's whatever it is. So this video was taken just over a year ago. And you see this white thing. It looks like a, how can you put it, a, uh, like a cylindrical object. Now, some people will say that, well, that's an airplane. You could see the wing and everything. But I remember... In Las Vegas last year for our first annual SOR fan party. And Sean Cahill was there. And he showed me this video in confidence. And there's a story behind this. But forgive me, it's not my place to tell the story. Okay, that's Sean's job to tell the story. But he showed me this video, he told me what had happened, and then all of a sudden, he walks out onto a patio, and this video arrives. Now, many people are claiming this was taken at Lou Elizondo's house. I'm not going to confirm or deny anything like that, because it's none of my business where it was taken. But what do you think of this video, Tim? I think it's great. It's another data point. Um, and the fact that Sean considers it UAP um, means that Lou saw it and the two of them probably considered this UAP. It doesn't really show, um, you know, the five observables necessarily that they talk about UAP technically having, but it definitely seems to be in a piece of airspace that they would be familiar with. Um, otherwise, I don't think we would necessarily get this piece of footage 
So it's definitely interesting. Um, I hope that it gets um, scrutinized by the right people that have the right um, video analysis uh, software. You know, we could definitely dig into it. It's interesting. And you can see it's kind of in a place that you wouldn't think that a plane would travel. And also it's going at a speed that is considerably what I would consider slower than a normal plane would be going. Um, however, the distance is kind of variable here. And so there's a lot of moving parts to a video like this. I find it exciting. I don't see uh, anything other than a white cylinder from what I'm looking at at this point. But um, again, with the right analysis, there may be more information. I think it's great. Uh, they call this UAP. We should be calling this UAP. And the source is always uh, as important as the video in a lot of these cases. So I think it's considerable information. You can call it a UAP all you want. This is a UFO. Now, critics like the New York Post, Stephen Greenstreet, is saying that that's an airplane. There's an airport nearby. It's an airplane going in for landing. Okay. The one thing that I recall that I will explain from my conversation with Sean about this was that there was no sound. There was nothing to it. It just appeared and then vanished behind the hill. Sean, whether you like him or not, knows the difference between an airplane and what's not an airplane. Okay, look, the critics out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm a critic too. Okay, Tim, you've heard me speak very, very publicly about... I'm not. I've been critical of of Sean Liu and many others in this field from a journalistic point of view. We have to be okay, but I'm also willing to give credit where credit is due. And the fact that we once again have people who are never there making assumptions of what it is. From somebody who is an observer, somebody who is an experiencer, somebody who, I mean, my nine-year-old son can tell an airplane from a bird. And look, we have to be critical. We do have to be critical on everything. But sometimes the critics go a little too far. Okay, because they don't like the person, they allow their emotions to get in the way, all right, and they allow their own personal vendettas or their own personal points of view stutter. What we could be looking at is something phenomenal. If people knew the true story of how this appeared, which once again is not my story to tell, I know the story, but it's not my story to tell because I gave my word on it when I when I heard the story and saw this video in Las Vegas last year. Okay, I swore that I was not going to say anything about it. It was presented to me with confidence. And that's what I did. But I mean... I don't like 
a lot of the criticism that I'm seeing online right now. I really don't. I haven't talked to Sean in almost a year, okay? And I have, uh, you know, now that I know that he has released this video, I'm still going to hold strong on the promise that I kept that I would not talk about this event or what he told me privately because that's not fair. The problem that we have is if people knew the story, they probably wouldn't buy this at all. They probably wouldn't buy this video at all. And that's what I will say about it. But at some point, Tim, one of these videos that we that we love to rip apart, whether it's this one, whether it's the Tic Tac Gimbal Go Fast, the Mosul Orb, or anything, not everything is fake. And I'm getting tired and I'm getting angry Tim, and I don't know how you feel, but I'm getting tired and angry of armchair skeptics who couldn't tell an F-15 Eagle from a quarter on the ground telling me what's real and what's fake. Right. These are people that I don't think are considering the ET hypothesis as a reality. They're not considering it in any of their math. They believe everything is explainable, and they believe that people that even consider it like you and I and that are open to it are ridiculous because the math and the numbers just don't line up for visitation to this planet. And then also you have to consider that they say that we, we have nothing but these grainy videos and nothing other than that, no follow-up data. Um, but again, they're not listening to the source, which I believe is so important in most cases. Um, but I think you bring an absolute great point to the table that professional ego tends to get in the way sometimes with this. And once somebody is polarized towards a topic or a narrative, they feel that they just have to follow up with more information on why their belief is a certain way. And some people can get even louder and louder until they force themselves out of the UFO group into the UAP group. And then you're talking about somebody that is not even on the same topic as us anymore. We're talking about the ET hypothesis. And so it's very interesting to see how people get polarized and they get pride out of the potential ET believer group uh, by people that are really driven uh, and sometimes very vocal uh, with how they believe. Well, once again, I have no problem with people being skeptical. No problem whatsoever. We need proper skepticism. We need questions, sometimes tough questions. You can't be a blind follower. Okay? You just can't. But at some point... You have to look at the source on a professional level, not a personal level, not an opinionated level. You have to look at the source and say, would this person know the difference between an airplane and a UFO? And in this case, I think Sean Cahill would be able to tell that difference. Okay, ego aside, ego aside. But we can't do that in this field. 
We have to make sure that we don't rain on someone's parade, that we absolutely bring every type of Mother Nature weather pattern over their parade. Yeah. And imagine how careful Sean was before he came out with this video publicly. Obviously, it took him a year. He scrutinized this before he released it with this term UAP below it. And I mean, I remember myself, I had something that I considered was absolute information. I had 11 photographs of what I had witnessed with my family members. To me, the data was inscrutable. You know, I'm like, I have the smoking gun. I couldn't wait to show it to the world once it had been proved to be real. And then you realize that, yes, it's just another grainy image of perhaps a white cylinder off in the distance. Yes, it may be performing incredibly, but that's not enough for the world. They want more than that. And so you have to be very careful how you release your information because you have to stay neutral because you could prove even my family's sighting to be mundane. I haven't yet, but you could. You could prove Sean's sighting to be mundane still. Uh, We haven't yet, but at the same rate, we're open to the information. We have to be open to the information as it comes. Well, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether it's ours, whether it's up in the sky, okay, this is a UFO. Cahill caught it. He took over a year, like you said, to release the video. He probably got some higher-ups with his connections to view it, although he's not going to say who did. I'm going to assume that, okay? I don't know. But it's, once again, one of those... One of those scenarios where we're not good for the toys that we get. We don't deserve the toys that we get. And, you know, I argued with Sean about that. Not this video, but about that whole section that we don't have, you know, the UFO field, we don't deserve nice things because we want to break them right off the bat, pull them out of the package and break them. And I said, well, not everybody is like that. Okay. I'm paraphrasing the conversation here, obviously. But man, does this get frustrating? You know, I think it's a nice catch. I, I'm very happy that Sean decided, Sean Cahill decided to release it. And he's a big boy. He's going to be able to take any criticism that comes his way, whether it's deserved or not. And I'm in the not category. When we return on Spaced Out Radio, Bob Lazar is back in the news. We'll tell you why with Tim Senor's UFO report right after this. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How deep should we get with this Lazar story? It's pretty thick. Read all 25. Just make sure you credit. All tw- What? Where are you not looking? I gave you the... Oh, oh. I see what you're saying. The list? Yeah. Oh, okay. We got time. I can hit the list. I can hit the list. 
Thank you, W. Like, Decker. What? what were you talking about? Well, the story is deep. I mean, obviously, he gets into quite a bit, you know, theory. So, well, let's but just, it's cool. Let's just yeah, make let's sure that we, you know what? I'll read them. Love that. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. The reason why is I just want to make sure that, yeah, we're legal about it. That Perfect. Makes- that giving credit where it's due. Hey, love the shirt, by the way. Loving the Thank short you. sleeves. You got some nice weather up there? No, it's cold as hell. You were just tired of long sleeves. I wanted a short sleeve shirt today. Fighting the power. Lance Coles, like how you doing? I want to say a big thank you tonight to W. Decker, Random Guy times two, Pascal times five, Maggie, Red Panda times two, Human Carl, Atlantis, Luscious Jewels, Lala, Deb from Sack, Jeff, Steve, Garvey, Linda, Pam H, Science Bob, and Neuro for the amazing super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support, everybody. Very much do. Thank you. Hi, Nicole Sackage. What do you say there, uh, little Timmy Senor? I was reading and uh, getting into some some Lazar. It's it's so interesting. Right. Uh, it's it's just you have to figure out which was alcohol fueled story and which was reality. Mm. I suspect there was some some cream ales being enjoyed out in the desert. I don't know. I don't know. Are you getting excited for Vegas? Oh, yeah. In fact, I have a surprise. No. Uh, My contact at Psionics may come out and join us and bring swag. That would be wonderful. But if not, he'll be sending me some cameras at least that I'll be able to, as loners, and... uh, Swag. I'm sure I'll have at least some swag. Well, that's some psionics nice. cameras. That'd yeah. be really cool. Uh, little Derek Galloway adding to the uh, super chat list. Thank you. Hey, we want to remind everybody that as of April 1st, our tickets for VIPs are going to be done complete, and we got to make sure that we have everybody in there because we got to get our swag bags ready for you guys who are coming to Vegas for the second annual Vegas fan party at the Golden Nugget, May 19th through 21st. Up until April 1st, you can get your VIP tickets. Please, 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 please confirm your tickets with Kat at info at spacedoutradio.com, info at spacedoutradio.com, because we got to make sure that we get everything enough uh, swag for everybody there. We need your T-shirt size. We're going to make sure that we uh, get everything for you guys that you need in that swag bag. Plus, we have to confirm for our VIP party. So if you guys can make sure that you are all there, 
and caught up by April 1st, we'd greatly appreciate it. That helps us out a lot. It really would. <clears throat> Timmy's going to be there. Timmy's going to get a new T-shirt. He's size extra small. That's why we call him Little Timmy Senor. Sad but true. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Good Metallica song, by the way. <laughs> hey, Lance M., how are you? All right, we have 10 seconds. Here we go. Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go with the continuation of the UFO report. And Tim Senor is once again here with us. The story of Bob Lazar just will not go away. This is a story that has been driving the UFO world for nuts for about 33 years. And realistically, it is a story, in case you've never heard of it, if you're one of the few, where Bob Lazar claimed back in 1989 he worked at Area 51 in a small area near Papoose Lake called S4, where his job was to try and... 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, we can help get you there. We have a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. Visit mgccc.edu to register today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Figure out how UFOs worked. Working on UFOs. Yes. Do you believe it? Do you not? Well, there are many in the field since then, who have been trying to discredit Lazar's story by claiming that he never, ever worked there, that he's a shill or a plant or a liar or a fake. And really, this one, 34 years later, Tim, still drives quite the debate online and on talk shows like this. 
Absolutely true. And we found some new links on Reddit that had some pretty interesting research into some of the potential histories behind Bob himself. And some of the stories that he laid out may hold some truth and some may have been embellished. And so according to some of the research, and you can uh, come clear with some of the sources that we've uh, been talking about here, but um, this source claims to be very sure that what Bob was describing and taking looks at out in the desert were in fact particle beams being tested. And he claimed to have been um, somebody that worked around this kind of particle beam technology and was familiar with it and knew that they tested it on certain days of the week. So he was able to take his friends out there and call them UFOs and enjoy the lights in the skies, but perhaps explainable. But um, this author does go into some of the details of the Lazar history, if you will, and he calls them the quote-unquote whatabouts. And so from what he has seen, much of the argument supporting supporting Lazar's story revolves around the whatabouts. And by this, he means uh, that if Levar, Lazar's story wasn't true, then how do you explain fill in the blank, you know, the whatabouts? And so, Dave, um, I'd love it if you could go over... Sure some of the complete lists that we have here and maybe give our source some credit. All right. So this was written by on Twitter by independent journalist D Dean Johnson. If you want to follow it on Twitter, it's at D Dean Johnson without a T. Okay. He goes, uh, this is 25 tweets he put out about this. So I'm going to try and get through all of them. And once again, this is his information this is not spaced out radios all right so i'm just rereading this information deep dive research by at signals intel ufo shows that 1980 bob lazar married a woman 16 years his senior carol previously convicted of second degree murder for armed assistance to a motorcycle gang with the initials ha in committing a brutal slaying why is this pertinent? Tweet two. The Knapp Corbell fable of Bob Lazar, senior physicist, is very far removed from the sordid realities of the life of a serial scam artist during the 1980s, as revealed by research of Tom Mahood in the 1990s, and now in many interviews and document finds by At Signals Intel UFO. Tweet three. Lazar has claimed that he was granted a Q security clearance, equivalent to top secret, less than two years after his wedding to work on actual secret stuff at Los Alamos National Laboratory. Lazar was not actually employed by LANL. Rather, he worked briefly at the facility for, tweet four, Kirk Meyer, a contractor providing technical support services, not physicists. Lazar was clearly designated a Kurt Meyer employee in a phone directory. He was not there for long, less than one year, for reasons documented by At Signals Intel UFO in an earlier piece. Tweet 5. Los Alamos National Laboratory recently said that they have no record that Bob Lazar had any secure, security clearance at LANL. 
and there's a letter posted from September 30th, 2022. Bob Lazar was affiliated with Los Alamos National Laboratory through his work as a subcontractor. He was never employed by the University of California, which held the management and operating contract for Los Alamos at the time of his affiliation. And there is no record that he held a security clearance at Los Alamos. Tweet 6. What came later, on April 19, 1986, Bob Lazar married a second woman, Tracy. But Lazar was still married to Carol at the time. This has been pointed out many a times over the last quarter century and has never been rebutted. Tweet 7. However, Bob Lazar was a bigamist, that's Dee Dean Johnson's words, not mine, allegedly, only briefly because Carol Lazar died two days after Bob married Tracy. Carol died on April 21st, 1986. Records show that Bob Lazar summoned law enforcement. He told them that he was Carol's husband and a race car driver, not a physicist. Tweet 8. Carol's death was ruled a suicide. Tweet 9. No divorce proceedings were on file with the Clark County Clerk's Office, and Carol's published obituaries and death certificate identified Robert Lazar as her husband at the time of her death, wrote investigator Tom Mahood in the Robert Lazar Timeline, 1994-1997. Tweet 10. On July 21, 1986, Bob Lazar filed for Chapter 7 liquidation bankruptcy in Las Vegas. Records show his debts exceeded his assets by roughly $100,000. In documents, Lazar was identified as a self-employed photo processor without reference to being a physicist or to LANL. Tweet 11. Bob Lazar later claimed that in December 1988, he went to work for a super-secret government UFO program that possessed nine intact alien spacecraft. In 1989, he said that in connection with this program, he received a majestic clearance, which, tweet 12, he said he was 38 levels above Q clearance, which is the highest civilian clearance. In his 2019 autobiography, Lazar told the story as 22 levels higher, which is typical of Lazar's lazy liar contradictions, Dee Dee Johnson's words, not mine, which have been innumerable. See, Tim, this is where I think good work starts getting mixed up with opinion now. We don't need opinion on this. We need fact. Okay? Your your thoughts, Tim? No, I 100% agree. Um, that is very distracting anytime it becomes an op-ed. Absolutely. Tweet 13. We're going to continue here. We're halfway through. So consider, in 1988, anyone in the government who is considering whether to enlist Bob Lazar in a purported super-secret UFO program would have had before him the file of a high school graduate with some modest tech skills who was at times impersonating a physicist. Tweet 14, Lazar later falsely claimed two master's degrees, but who in another unusual context had identified himself as a race car driver. The candidate under review had married a second woman, Tracy, which still, while still married to a woman convicted in a brutal murder while armed. 
Tweet 15 by D.D. Johnson. In association with members of a long-standing crime organization called the HA, also, Lazar had filed for liquidation bankruptcy less than two years before, leaving various creditors in the lurch. Clearance approval? Highly implausible. Tweet 16. In 1989, George Knapp put Bob Lazar on the map by televising a tale of Lazar having worked in a secret UFO program with control of nine intact alien spacecraft, retained even after previously collaborating with aliens, had killed 44 humans in a snit, as told in the early Lazar tale. Now, I want to pause right there for a second. I will defend George Knapp on this because there's two things I know about journalism and call me egotistical when I say this or not. Number one, a story like this where you're going into a a top secret government program, you are going to get the station's lawyers involved before this airs, Tim. You're going to get the station's lawyers involved. You're general manager involved, your uh, television editor involved, your news director involved. And the first thing that that news director is going to say or the edit, or the or the GM is going to say, what are your sources? Because we just don't put any type of crap like this on the air. This could get us in trouble. And George Knapp to this day states that he had proof. He had proof. You don't win as many awards for quality journalism as George Knapp has by lying. You don't. Right. And consider also with a longtime career in journalism as he does have, he came at that story unbiased. The same way he still does today. A lot of the information delivered is absolutely unbiased. They're not saying what it is. He never professed to believe or not believe. He just dug as deeply as he could and brought all the facts to light. And I think there's really nothing more than you can do. And if you're being fed a red herring, well, unfortunately, you may be fed a red herring. I agree. I agree. But to claim that, that Knapp was making this up, I don't buy it. Agree. So let's go to tweet 17. Lazar claimed to possess a sample of an alien isotope that could defeat gravity and power spacecraft. While Knapp has promoted that claim for 33 years, as has Jeremy Corbell more recently, Lazar has never produced the purported proof of alien tech for independent analysis. This goes back to the whole theory that Lazar plays about element 115. I buy that part. Show us the element 115. Show us. Tweet 18. In June 1990, Lazar himself became a convicted felon. He had set up an illegal brothel with holes cut into the walls to allow photography from an adjacent apartment. All of this at the very same time that Robert Bigelow from Bigelow Aerospace was paying Lazar $2,500 a month to do research involving Tweet 19. Alien stuff. In a little laboratory provided by Bigelow, Bigelow fired Lazar when he discovered that the laboratory was being used for furniture storage by Lazar, who was accompanied elsewhere at the illegal brothel. Tweet 20. 
In his 2019 autobiography, Lazar blamed wife number two, Tracy, for putting his security clearance in jeopardy by infidelity in 1989. Bob and Tracy were divorced July 25, 1990. A July 1990 court report said that Lazar was in a common law relationship with another woman. Tweet 21. I do not believe that scientist impersonating small-time scammer Bob Lazar. There's no need for that. No need for that in proper journalism. Ever held a Q, top clearance, security clearance? Of course, I also do not believe he held a clearance 38 levels higher in a mythical system for which evidence remains lacking 24 years after the claim. Tweet 22 by D.D. Johnson. If you believe those things, perhaps it is because the Bob Lazar you have in your mind is most mostly a developed fictional construct, owing as much or more to George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell as to Lazar himself. In my informed opinion, the Bob Lazar story is in, in its current, Tweet 23, widely disseminated form has been carefully cleaned up, heavily edited, polished, and much enhanced. The streamlined and enhanced tales have been peddled by Knapp and Corbell in recent years to their great profit. Look to those primary sources, not the storytellers. Tweet 24 of 25. Some key documents cited above are posted on this web archive maintained by at Signal Intel UFO. UFO, pardon me. And the final tweet of this by D.D. Johnson. Tom Mahood's landmark article looking at Bob Lazar from the perspective of 2018, detailing his groundbreaking research in the early 1990s. He posts a link basically saying Lazar is lying your thoughts wow i mean wow there was definitely information within this that um was new to me shed light um on the man himself and decisions that were made and perhaps pressures he was under um in his decision making process some of the uh facts brought to light made sense in the story um again it's one of those stories that's sprinkled with truth Um, but um, perhaps the person that was um, living the life is going to be the only one that truly knows that tale. Do I think that there were nine craft that he had potentially been hired to have a look at? Uh, No, I I don't really believe that aspect of the story, but um, could he have been um, deemed, uh, you know, a fool and perhaps shown information and, um, you know, led to believe something while he was there so that he'd walk out of there with an interpretation to disseminate to the public that wasn't true. Who knows? He could have been an unwitting uh, dummy, a fool, if you will, in this whole thing. So who knows? But this information brings a lot of new great stuff to light. The frustrating part is that there are some facts that hold water in Lazar's story still. So this is definitely one thing that may help uh, levy the balance for some people. But again, it's, it is a very big mystery. I don't, where are you at, Dave? I'm leaning to, I put it this way. I, I want to, uh, I want to believe. I really want to believe, but all the signs are pointing to the fact that my want to believe may not be, what I believe. I don't believe that at the beginning, George Knapp 
tried to do this for popularity or posturing or anything like that. Knowing how egotistical journalists are, and I know I'm one of them, we would not put our our credibility and our job on the line to embarrass our show, our station, and more more importantly, our journalistic integrity. I'm not saying it hasn't been done before. Look at Brian Williams, okay, from NBC. I was there. He was everywhere, you know, that whole lie over in Iraq. We're getting, getting shot at and shot down and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm not saying it hasn't happened on the bigger, larger scales. But this one, I don't think George Knapp did that. He was only eight years in, not 35 years in or 40 years in to KLAS Channel 8 in Las Vegas. I'll defend George Knapp on that one. I wonder if people's history was easier to erase before 2000. You know, everything became very digital. Um, everything's paper back then. It's it's harder to find uh, contracts. It's harder to find people's degrees and records and things like that. Um, perhaps some of his story is true, <clears throat> and we're just not able to run down some of the details. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but, I mean, I know even when I've looked back into records in my own life, it's been a headache getting paperwork when I've had to get it. Well, I apologize to cut you off, but I want to bring up this one point. Okay. You and I have talked to people who have worked at Area 51. Okay. And we were told by these people how difficult it is to get things in and get things out with all the security you have to go through. Unless Bob Lazar figured out a way to beat those scanning systems, there is no way he got Element 115 out of Area 51. Not at all. But let's let's just say theoretically he did, and he talked about it, and they wanted to mess with his life. They've done a pretty good job. If you were to believe his story at 100%, they messed with his life and made it pretty hard on him, right? Um, so potentially the fact that we're sitting here looking at all this evidence now that looks pretty incriminating to him not being truthful and being deceptive, maybe that was the whole point to how they poised his life after he came out so vocally with some potential secrets. I'm just spitballing here, of well, course. And, and the other interesting part to your what you just said is after this long a time, what does Bob Lazar do now? He's a government contractor for his scientific laboratories in Klamath Falls, Oregon. That's interesting. I want to say a big thank you to you, Tim, for coming on in. If you're watching on YouTube and Twitch, you could wait. We're going to have some overtime with random guy coming up about this subject about Bob Lazar. Good night to all of our friendly workers from the Alphabet Agencies. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. 
Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright. It's based out Radio NSOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because to remember, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Don't let life pass you by. It's time to go big at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Whether you're working toward a bachelor's degree or training for a technical career, MGCCC can help get you there with a wide variety of classes offered online and on campus. Spring term begins January 11th. So what are you waiting for? Visit mgccc.edu to register for spring classes today and go big with Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. 